I couldn't help but think that this was Free Willy for adults. Ooh. <laughs> I have not seen the movie. And I'm gonna I'm ready to go on record as saying that's on point. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody welcome to the sin cast this is chris atkinson from cinema sins joined as always by the voice of cinema sins jeremy scott yoink yoink <laughs> that with that yoink is owned by disney now yoink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite simpson moments ever it's when like the diamond tooth is showing and it sparkles and this guy out of nowhere just goes yoink. <laughs> <laughs> they use yoink a few times yeah, the yeah they do and for music video sends Barrett Share. Happy 2018. Yay. Ha- We're saying, well, happy 2018 from 2017. <laughs> We're, yeah, we traveled into the future. Indeed. That's right, to welcome you into the new year. Um, today, we're going to start a format that I think was sort of gestating when we first began this podcast. Mm-hmm. Because we weren't quite sure where we were going to go with it. And then, you know, then we had brackets and, uh, you know, we started talking about, we started making what's the best out of that? What's the best year? What's the best bracket? But all that, it's just a million things we started doing. Now we're back to this at this point. We're going to try this out. We're going to try a structured thing Mm -hmm. and we're going to get into a lot of topics today. We're going to get into news. We're going to get into rants. We're going to get into a lot of things like, you know, the just general movie topics. That's right, baby. Woohoo. Well, and part of it is we're just caving because this is what most good podcasts do. Before (laughs) we ever even had a podcast, we saw Kevin Smith tape live for his Hollywood Babylon in LA and he had all these like segments and intros and whatnot it's kind of like when john oliver says and now this yeah every single episode uh, so we're going to try some structured stuff that will allow us to to rant a little bit to talk about m- brand new news movie news things we've seen that we like make some recommendations answer questions it's gonna be fun yeah baby and you know if this doesn't work after a few times we'll try something else we're yeah. not gonna stop we're not yeah. gonna fucking stop <laughs> we can't stop i would say we'll though stop. i would say though that if you have been with us for the past two years you're going to enjoy the structure of this mm-hmm. uh because we'll still be the same podcast but we're just a little bit more structured yeah so plus we'll barrett try- gets to make a bunch of new cool audio montages to yeah. intro each segment mm-hmm. that'll fun. be fun for you that's right it might be a lot of work but it'll be fun <laughs> So, are we going to, we're going to start off with a rant from yeah, let's everybody? Do it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! I'm as mad as hell! You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus! Lord Jesus! Well, I, the first thing that comes to mind is like the last thing I put on my list, but I want to rant about the fucking Tennessee liquor laws. Because <laughs> mm, mm. we live in the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> movie topic one yeah <laughs> i'm sorry it's not the rants are are open to any topic like it, the reason we even kind of conceived the rant structure as an opening was when chris ranted about that apple commercial that was so pretentious the other day <laughs> yeah. um and I, and I think that sort of opened it whatever's on your mind you hear a song that's really annoying you lately <laughs> okay i want to talk about the tennessee liquor laws because what's in general, a computer what what's a computer there you go (laughs) what is a computer i just got this ipad dongle um so in tennessee because we're a backwards fucking state you can't buy liquor that means wine and alcohol hard liquor you can buy beer you can't buy liquor on sunday right you can't even buy beer on sunday until it's past noon (laughs) 
That's crazy. Which, th- th- this is the era we live in, right? That's just stupid. That's bad enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, even when I know this, heading into Christmas weekend, I'm like, well, Christmas Eve is Sunday. Right. So I better buy wine in advance if I want any wine on Sunday because it's a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Tennessee won't let you have wine on Sunday. Monday, Christmas Day being a holiday, can't buy one. <laughs> Tennessee has set aside a handful of holidays. Most of them are your typical, you know, national holidays off work or whatever. Can't mm. buy can't buy wine on like Fourth of July. Oh, really? Can't buy wine on Christmas Day. Can't buy wine on New Year's Day. Ah, wow. Um, That's and counterintuitive. I, I want to know why. <laughs> yeah. Who? Who's? Nobody benefits from this, right? Right. Like, you don't think the liquor stores want to make a day's extra? We're, this is not like a Chick-fil-A situation where the liquor stores are just like, well, for God reasons, we're going to stay closed because <laughs> the community likes God. For you realize God how many reasons. thousands of dollars they're leaving on the table by not selling more wine? What's and, crazy is that you can't get wine on New Year's Eve this year. Yeah, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. you got to yeah. plan ahead, folks. Oh, you can't that. get your vodka. You're, you're screwed. You're screwed. Used to be you couldn't get wine in grocery stores. Yeah, that, that only happened law. a year and a half it was ago. About a year, yeah. The uh, the yeah that is the uh, the dumbest thing, and I've I've heard this from people who have moved to the state. Yeah, uh, that this is stupid, and it is stupid because what are they? Do they think that they're preventing people from drinking on Sunday? Yeah, because you can go out to a bar and get fucking hammered. Yeah, mm-hmm. holy shit, you and can you can buy beer right and get hammered. Yeah, not but only afternoon. Yeah, yes. not this, during church time. This sounds like like a law that has been on the books since like 1906 exactly and they just sort of like no one has ever like come to challenge it right for some reason maybe you should challenge it jeremy maybe, maybe i should because i don't see like the only resistance would have to be the hard religious right right yep and they don't drink anyway <laughs> well <laughs> not in public <laughs> well now yeah well <laughs> but like there, that's that should be the only opposition. Mm-hmm. Every liquor store, every grocery store, every company that owns any liquor store or grocery store should be behind that. Yeah, let's open up a whole other day. It feels and, like the, every time that 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 law comes up, somebody goes, "Oh, it's probably because we're in the Bible Belt," and they never fight it. But right, why don't why don't we start it now? Mm. <laughs> or maybe there's maybe there can't be that many people in this in the mid state now that are like. That, oh yeah, that's a totally great law. Really? I don't. I mean, yeah. I think even the even the really churchy people that I know in my life, I don't think would object to. No, man. Like a month ago, I, I forgot to buy wine in advance of a Sunday, and I wanted to have a little bit of something before I went to bed because I am an insomniac. Um, so I'm out and about getting my Starbucks. It's like 10:45. I swing by the gas station. And I try and buy one tall 24 ounce can of apple cider beer, uh-huh. and I walk to the counter, and the guys, like, I can't sell to you. Oh, and I was like, "What?" He's like, it's "Sunday," and I'm thinking, "I've no, I bought beer on Sunday before." He's like, "Only afternoon." Uh. Went, Son of a bitch! <laughs> All these stupid fucking laws. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Anyway, Let Jeremy, and drink like, and like you're a narc that's going in trying to buy <laughs> yeah, 24 seriously. ounce beer before noon. <laughs> yeah. You know, like hey, we got to crack down on it. Like, can you just up, ring man. it up in an hour? I'll give you the cash. Just ring it up later. Yeah. Nobody has to be wiser. Exactly. Come on. That's my rent. It's like, you know, you get on the news and it's like, you see the, ca- the the clerk behind the counter takes the money for the drink, but then doesn't punch it up until an hour later. <laughs> this is something in the community we need to stop, goddammit. Yeah, the scourge. Yep. 
Um, okay, so it is uh, it is December in Nashville, which means that it's December everywhere, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. But what I mean by Nashville is that it uh, it comes a time at this point of the year where all those movies that you've been hearing about for months finally come out yes mm. and then you get some in january like the post and all that is coming out in january and everything meanwhile you fuckos in new york and los angeles <laughs> get to watch this shit because you're in these big cities and <laughs> yeah. because you know they know that they can make money with just about anything when they drop a, a movie that you've heard about but the thing is i understand why they did limited releases back in the day because you had to build a word of mouth you had to get all this type of thing sort of a momentum going when you uh when you came out with these movies and that way word of mouth came and finally when december hit people in nashville and people in peoria and people in like you know uh, wichita (laughs) knew to go to see those movies because there was all this talk about it and everything and they would do things like it'd be in la and new york and then it would go to Chicago and then like Atlanta and Houston and all these places that just sort of like gradually build up a, a thing. But now it's getting to the point where it's just getting ridiculous where like all these movies I want to see come out on the same day, same week, within two weeks of each other yeah. a lot of times. And I'm sitting there like trying to plot out when I'm going to watch these movies and it's nearly impossible. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. in, and and then if they happen to not hit with audiences, they're not going to be around very long. Right. So it makes no sense. It makes no sense. I know it's award season. I know that's why you know the uh, the the couture movies are coming out mm-hmm. uh, at, at this point. And actually, I think we this came up when we talked to Jesse Malton about it. But like all the screeners are going out and everything is going like right at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we literally just talked about how much we loved Get Out and how it's like at the top of our list yeah. came out in fucking February. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not necessary to wait for this. I mean, maybe there's a chance that the Academy forgets all about Get Out. I don't think that's going to happen no. this year. But like, well, and it's spread also, it out. It's kind of a myth because Silence of the Lambs came out in February, mm-hmm. one best picture uh there's i mean there's some movies that you could say maybe got screwed because of coming out in early in the year like wonder boys came out in february of that mm. year. i mean it's it's it still though if you're good and you're like something that's been talked about or whatever you're going to hit the end of the year pretty well you know represented yeah and everything and you can always use these months that have all the trash like september or january and all that well not january but right. do september and maybe some, sometimes October you get these, you know, Oscar hopefuls that come out and everything. But try to come out with a little bit more. Stagger them a little yeah. bit, man. Just make so I can have a chance. Yeah. Like now it's and it did this last year, too, where it seemed like every day that I had a chance, I was like, I was going out yeah. and getting to a movie and everything. I was like, I don't I, I mean, this is because it's my life. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't do this normally. Yeah. You went to like three different theaters in a day last year, didn't you? Yeah, I went all over. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just one of those. Let me ask you this: Is the Shape of Water playing anywhere around here? Yes, it is. It's playing at Belcourt. I actually saw this. Is Belcourt it good? and uh, Opry Mills had it too. Um, it's funny that this movie's brought up because I was at one point. There's a segment that's coming up later in this thing. I was thinking about putting it there, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm I can't put it in either one. Um, Interesting. 
Uh, Shape of Water is good. It's one of Guillermo del Toro's probably one of his better movies. Hmm. I couldn't help but think that this was Free Willy for adults. Ooh. <laughs> I have not seen the movie. And I'm gonna I'm ready to go on record as saying that's on point. In I, multiple ways from what I understand. Yes, extremely. I, I was I was about to say it's it, it, it every sense of the term free willy. <laughs> <laughs> By now, it should be no. I mean, you everybody knows Sally Hawkins is going to fuck this thing, yes, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear from the trailer. It's pretty clear from the trailer that he's she's going to fuck the thing. Yeah, <laughs> the fish guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I never, I, I don't know if that's believable. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I can see the friendship and everything. I just can't, I can't, I know. The whole movie is like, you know, shows that she's got this like routine in the morning where she masturbates and then like, you know, goes to work and all that. It's mm. done, done like in a, me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's done in a very Darren Aronofsky sort of way where it's like, you know, it, it cuts to all the different little things that she after they show the long version. Uh-huh. Of it, the next time the next day comes up, it's uh-huh. like, you know, like yeah, that. Yeah. And uh, so like, so, yeah, I watched this and I was like, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. <laughs> but i don't know if that's believable uh this seems like free willy for adults <laughs> does it have a shot of him like arcing over her at the end? uh no but he i mean i won't i won't <laughs> sorry i won't uh, is there a michael jackson song there is not a michael yet? jackson song holy shit that'd be amazing <laughs> you are not alone <laughs> um yeah I, I it's it's you know it's one of those movies it's, it's very visually uh well put together performances are good but the story for me is like i've seen this before i know mm-hmm. it looks good it looks different looks different mm-hmm. it's not really it's not really different yeah and so again i guess i'm i hate being down on guillermo del toro i want to like everything he comes out with and I liked this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say, and it's kind of like Hellboy. You're like, oh, I like that. Right. And that's about where it ends. <laughs> yeah, and you exactly. know what? That's the other thing about this is that is that Hellboy has elements of this too. This yeah. movie, yeah, because of the fish guy that's in that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I immediately thought Hellboy or whatever. When I did you see the review that absolutely trashed the movie and mm-hmm. director Benicio del Toro? No. Oh come on! <laughs> I didn't see that. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro posted about it and said, um, "You know, just once I'd like to have a review like this about one of my movies, but Benicio will have to take." That. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, pretty awesome. Wow. Um, no, I totally agree with you about the uh, the 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 chunking. Yeah, Getting back the chunking. To, yeah, getting getting back to the, the actual. Sorry. Yeah, the no, that's fine. I, I, I wanted to talk about Shape of Water somehow, and I'm glad I got a chance Good. to. Um, but yeah, we're we're at a point now where we are aware of the movies that we need to see before right. they come out. It's not a word of mouth thing anymore. No, even in Podunk Nashville and Podunk Peoria and. Podunk places where you can't get booze on Sundays. Right, exactly. <laughs> Even these places. Like maybe that's it. Maybe like once you uh, pass more progressive liquor law legis- legislation, we'll give you the movies. It'll open up the floodgates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I was watching Live uh, Live by Night the other day uh-huh. at Ben Affleck. First of all, 
once I finally got around to seeing that, I don't think it's as bad as the reviews were. Hmm. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie. Which one was this? Uh, Live by Night, the Ben Affleck. Oh no, I didn't see the rum running period piece. Hmm. But it's set during Prohibition, and I'm watch every time I watch parts of this movie, I'm like, you know, just like some part of this just stuck with Tennessee on Sundays all the way through to modern day, because <laughs> like, there's so many conversations in this movie where. He's talking to somebody like, well, once they end prohibition, such and such will happen. Uh, and somebody's like, they'll never end prohibition. And the country doesn't um, trust its citizens, yada, yada. And Ben Affleck's like, country's in the tank and they need to end prohibition. That's the only option to blah, blah, blah. Anyway, my, my whole point is that era of thinking is still alive on Sundays in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. fucking bastard. Sorry, yeah. I stole your rant to go back to my rant. That was an excellent Ben Affleck impersonation. By the way. That was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> But there are moments in that movie that work really well. It's yeah. just not cohesive as a whole. It's anyway. so odd because he's he's usually you know on top of that stuff. It's just uh, it's just a little meandery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just a little. I think you know that happens to a lot of people in their fourth or fifth movie if they've done three awesome ones. Yeah. They're just like, well, maybe I don't have any bad ideas. They actually come up <laughs> later in my conversation about uh, a, a director that I've been obsessed with lately. My rant is associated with the next segment too because I went to the Hollywood Reporter website. Oh, boy. And this actually happened to us on a recent podcast when I went to the Grammys website. Mm -hmm. The fucking autoplay video oh, oh, on yeah. the websites. I went to look at the Hollywood Reporter to see a list, and I'm scrolling through the list, and all of a sudden I hear... Here's our top 25. I'm like, where the fuck is that coming from? Yeah. And then I go up and I finally find the video and I hit pause and then I scroll down. That motherfucker follows me down on the bottom right yeah. of the screen. Yeah. It's still fucking there, going. One of these sites, it may not be the Hollywood Reporter, but one of these sites that does Hollywood news, one of the four or five big ones that I can't ever fucking find the video. <laughs> yeah. No, there's and like the audio won't shut. And I've got a little speaker icon on my tab in Chrome and Firefox. That fucking never works. Yeah. I click that shit. It doesn't turn off the sound. Hell yeah. no. Now, this is a good rant topic. Oh, that's man. Some, I thought you were going to go into like all the uh, award season like banner ads. Oh, for your that, consideration. Yeah, because that, yeah, yeah. that shit gets really annoying. Like, I fucking hate going to IMDb. And they've like put a skin on yeah. for the new Liam Neeson movie yeah. or whatever the fuck. I'm just like, just I do. Why want information? I don't give a fuck who I should consider. I'm not a voter. I know who are they trying to? That's a broad reach, right well, there. Must, not that industry people don't read the Hollywood Reporter, right? But they're still numbering in the hundreds. Yeah. Right? Send, and the Hollywood Reporter, to be a successful website, probably has to have millions of readers. Mm -hmm. Most of the people reading are people like you and me, right. people who are passionate about film who want to see the latest news. And how much are they paying for those ads? I don't know, man. They used to, in Chicago, they may have done this in New York, too. Uh, over the holidays, sometimes they would wrap an entire subway train yeah. in like a Jack Daniels ad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> everywhere you look, there's a bottle of Jack Daniels on the outside and on the inside of the car. Yeah. They, I'm like, I, I, I'm aware. I'm aware gotta, of Jack Daniels. <laughs> yeah, they've got to be spending some some serious bucks to get a whole car filled with it. Like, yeah. I remember when, uh, what was that, uh, that the Tudors came out. That, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they just lined that shit up with the Tudors everywhere in the car. <laughs> Like it was not only on the ones at the top of the train, it was also on the ones that are the little placards next to the doors and wow. everything. So like everywhere you looked was the fucking tutors. Yeah. You know, and I still didn't watch that show. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I've got no time for it. I, and when we were looking up the, the Grammy nominees, uh, when they were released a couple of weeks ago, 
we all had our headphones on to pull up the website, and all of a sudden, fucking somebody comes on like, "Here's our Grammy nomination!" Yeah. Oh yeah, like everybody's like, ah! yeah. So fuck this, man. End this. There's no reason for it. I understand widgets. I understand like little, you know, fragment. Uh, you get some sort of revenue out of it, but just fucking stop it. I don't yeah. understand. I mean, we have to reach a point at some point where advertisers are going to realize you're actually making people angry when you mm -hmm. buy an ad that does not allow them to mute it or stop it. Right. Right? Like, let's just say it was Jack Daniels. Sorry, Jack Daniels. <laughs> um, that's Tennessee made, right? Yep. yep. All right. So let's trash something from in-state. Uh, can't buy your shit on Sunday anyway. <laughs> exactly. Um, can't <clears throat> buy their shit in the place that they make it. That's so right. So let's say I go to a website Hollywood Reporter, some autoplay Jack Daniels ad starts up. If I can't mute that shit or shut it off, I'm going to buy Jim Beam the next five years of my life anytime I need whiskey. Like exactly. Jack Daniels has just pissed me off. Yep. So at some point, they're going to realize. That's why I think the YouTube like skippable ads are probably the best option for both content creators and viewers. Because if you're a viewer, if you're passionate about the creator, you can choose to watch and know that it's helping them earn. You can skip and know they probably earned a couple pennies, what have you. Um, but you're still aware. That's the brilliance of the pre-roll ads is that you're aware, you can tune out, you can skip, whatever, but it, it does have some sort of you know, recognition, even but but not annoyance. It stay with you the entire time. Well, and even the there. even the the high end YouTube ads that, that won't let you skip them are typically, at least for me as some as a viewer, are typically fifteen to twenty seconds. Yeah, They're yeah. not like three and a half minutes of I don't know, some cancer drug. Well, the the interesting thing is they've been doing a lot of downsizing, like the movie downsizing, mm -hmm. and they've got a clever ad campaign where like Matt Damon will come on and be like, "Hey, I've only got five seconds to talk about downsizing," and then oh shit, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. they, they <laughs> can play like with a, it. And have right. fun. Yeah, that's. By the way, I'm really conflicted about that movie. I haven't seen it, obviously, but you know, Dicer was like. There are lots of things to enjoy, but it was kind of disappointing. And then a couple days ago, I saw Leonard Maltin tweet. His review, and it's like basically his favorite movie of the whole year. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I'm like, wow, this one seems kind of divisive, and mm. I wonder which way I'll go. I yeah. don't know. I can't wait to see it, though. Yeah, me It'd too. be interesting. Dude, Alexander Payne, am, baby. I'm excited to watch it. I think our first uh, first round of rants went pretty well. Pretty good stuff. I think yeah. so. I think so. Matter of fact, uh, do we want to go into our second thing? Because I can start that off. It's related to this thing. Let's do it. So we're going to talk about the news of the day. News on the mark. Instead of one big shot controlling all the media, now there's a thousand freaks Xeroxing their worthless opinions. Uh, we're going to talk about kind of what's been going on uh, this week, um, usually related to, to movie stuff. So the reason that I was on the Hollywood Reporter website was because they published their 10 least favorite movies of the mm. year, or the 10 worst movies of the year, according to the Hollywood Reporter. And I found this very interesting because I've seen probably four of them or so, uh, but the other ones I just totally kind of expected, except for one. Okay. okay? So I'm going to run down the list really, really quick. All right. Number 10 is the Reese Witherspoon vehicle, Home Again. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Which is probably Sweet Home Alabama that all fucking trailer pretty again. much told you everything you needed to know, and then that is you didn't need to see it. I didn't see Big Little Lies, but I understand that was pretty, that was really good, right? It was It, it was good. It, it was had good. its moments, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Reese Witherspoon always makes these weird decisions where it's like she'll be in something great, uh, like even Wild. Did you ever see Wild? Yep. That was an interesting Loved choice Wild. and everything, but- then she'll do fucking home again. So I don't know. Anyway, so that's number 10. Number nine is Queen of the Desert and Nicole Kidman, uh, uh, Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog, yeah. Movie that I had 
very little awareness of, yeah. but apparently completely missed the mark. So number eight is one we discussed last uh, week was Baywatch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is such weird. Exactly what they said about it, too, which is like they were trying to do a lot of like raunchy humor and it doesn't. It doesn't get there, It doesn't right? get there. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a lot of times you're just sitting there going, oh, he got his dick stuck in a thing. Okay, <laughs> great. That's fantastic. <laughs> Please, Boom. please get his dick out. Uh, number seven is Miley's favorite movie of the year, Justice League. I'm glad I thought to you were about this. to say Miley's. I did too. <laughs> Miley Cyrus's Miley's work. favorite movie of the year. I like the stuff that Miley did this year. But uh, yeah, Justice League is number seven. Um, gets everything that it deserves. I know it made a sizable amount of money, but yeah. it was still disappointing. Left money on the table. It's fucking horrible. Mm hmm. Uh, number six was the, the the only big surprise on here was the snowman. Yeah, um, oh, well, this, though. it's it's yeah. actually not a surprise anymore. It was right. if you if we were to you know in August be able to see four months in advance or whatever, then we'd be like, whoa, really? Yeah, yeah, because it looked good. Yeah, 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 it was very weird. I mean, Fassbender typically makes really good decisions. Apparently, people love the book. Uh, the marketing strategy was inane, uh, and it is apparently a terrible movie, too. Number five is a movie that we've all seen and hated, The Mummy. Mm -hmm. Ah, fuck mm -hmm. that movie. Fuck that movie, right? Fuck the that movie, movie that brought hard. down an entire plan. The, yeah. The movie that proves you can be one of the worst movies of the year simply by being bland. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, right? exactly. It's not like The Room or Birdemic bad. <laughs> it's not like there are ter there's terrible acting performances. You're like, oh, that's awful. It's a track. It's just every single decision they made was just below average. Right. Every and, single one. And Tom Cruise is just sleepwalking through mm -hmm. the whole fucking thing. Well, sleep running. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Number four is a movie that I will refuse to see. Oh. Geostorm. Oh, oh yeah. well, what if we have to sin it? You just going to pass oh. it off? I'm looking forward to sending it because then I can make a bunch of Into the Storm outtakes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, it's it's Dean Devlin, basically a Roland Emmerich disciple. And well, that's his partner. Why don't they go fuck with another planet for once? Yeah. yeah. Sick of seeing the same old shit. Fucking Geostorm. Uh, everything about that is offensive to me. Number three is the Book of Henry and Naomi Watts. Um, kind of weird... Yep. tonally off Colin Trevorrow thing. yeah Colin, Colin Trevorrow. Trevorrow yeah that's right yeah. and one of the most panned movies of the year uh, yeah. number two is Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets I'm surprised that made this this deeply into a worst list actually because uh, a movie like Valerian I haven't seen it mm. but just by hearing what other people were saying about it it sounded like it was just you know it just wasn't good. And, yeah. Yeah, whatever. We'll move on. But I guess they're saying it's... It's aggressively bad. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I don't get that movie. I didn't get it from the trailer. I didn't get it from the Rihanna stunt casting. I didn't get any part of that movie. Number one. Number one. Is a movie that none of us have seen, but we all know very well, 9-11. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The only time I'll laugh about 9-11. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, something about Russian sugar daddies. I something remember. about Russian sugar daddies. <laughs> Charlie Sheen. Oh my God! Everything about this movie looks awful. Oh, so yeah. anyway, that's that's my news thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I, I I don't really uh you know actually pay much attention to the news that's going on because I try to keep myself insulated from any kind of talk about movies mm. and stuff like that. But I ran across one on Dark Horizons. It was pretty pretty fun, and I don't I don't think it was their original thing. Apparently, this thing was going around social media for a while. But the question was asked, "What would get you back into cinemas?" Hmm. 
um obviously i mean like so i i was looking at the uh the numbers i think in the dark horizons article they they mentioned this too uh this year movie industry made somewhere a little bit over 11 billion dollars they're not hurting mm-hmm. um it's just slightly below what last year did um i think slightly below means something in excess of 200 million dollars or two it might be more than that but still i mean relatively nobody's not. really hurting yeah, yeah here um but uh i guess there is this this thought that there are people out there and it's a sizable chunk of people who aren't going because it's it, because of something at the movie theater and i agree that, that there's probably a few people out there who are like my home theater's better or they think that uh, that you know nothing's ever going to be done about these phones that are just constantly yeah. you know I mean the other day I was sitting right next to somebody who just pulled out his phone <laughs> sat there and and um but I was surprised in the Dark Horizons thing that the top two things that they were that people were concerned about one was not a surprise cheaper tickets mm. so that makes sense yeah yeah uh, the second one was better presentation which I had having worked at movie theaters as long as i have like i I made mention of this uh, a few episodes ago i remember showing stuff before that it wasn't the greatest like the you know we didn't have a a lamp to change out in the lamp house and Mm. the the image was a little bit dark but man i saw so many different things that just went by and no one ever complained about it and it could be just that people were just like I don't want to. I don't want to get up and talk about this. But, right. But they never came out later and said anything about it. None of that. I always got the impression that there were just a very few people in this on this earth that really notice anything going on when they're watching a movie. Mm. Like, I, and I've been in movies where I'm like, hey, I'll go to the, I'll be with somebody and I'll be like, you notice that? And they're like, uh, I don't get it. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand. I don't see it. And I'm like, no, seriously, there's like green scratches when we don't see scratches anymore. But right. there's like green scratches over there on the right side. No, I don't see it. <laughs> and uh, and so like I, I was kind of surprised that was one of the, the top answers or whatever. That brings up a weird memory because two of the movies that Chris, you and I saw together this year, War for the Planet of the Apes was super dark. Even mm-hmm. though that's a super dark movie, this was a brand new theater yep. and it was super super dark yeah the 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 war of the planet of the apes which you know which i then later saw on blu-ray and i was like holy shit it's like so much (laughs) different um the yeah there's a there is an issue with uh with people who work in theaters nowadays i'm i'm i get the idea i get the sense that most people now especially the ones who are getting hired in the last several years have no projection experience right uh, people who did have projection experience have gone like i have mm. um and they, they all have youtube channels they yeah. all have youtube channels <laughs> i think that uh i think that though that there's just there's just not enough people who really know they know things they know like how to fix certain things here and there but they're not diagnostic you know people they don't go to a, a you know i think if they're the first couple of things don't work they're like they're giving up well mm-hmm. and they started down this path when you and i were working there when they moved away from union projectionists who largely were passionate about the craft um and started going to manager operators mm-hmm. they called them and it's only because you and i took an interest in it and were passionate about it 
that you and I became good projectionists, but mm. the large majority of managers we worked with who they were just threaders, threaders yeah. and starters. No, they didn't they give a shit about presentation. And, and so this has been coming for a while. Now you've removed even the manager operators that cared, mm-hmm. and you're probably just sending ushers up. I mean, you probably don't have to send anybody anymore, right? Doesn't mm. a computer start the movie? I mean, yeah. Most of the, I mean, if a movie doesn't start on time these days, then yeah, something is is really wrong. Yeah. But like, um, but like, yeah. I mean, if if there is something upstairs that they actually need to do, I wonder how many people have hands on experience with those projectors. Uh, and, and, you know, somebody on Facebook sent me a thing where the, I guess on the opening night of star Wars, uh, they didn't hear the dialogue for the first six to eight minutes or something oh, really? like that. And I went through a whole long scenario of like how many different things that could be, mm. but still they didn't restart it or anything for those people. Oh, they just, really? just fixed the problem eight minutes in and just said, here, enjoy it. Fuck Meanwhile, that. someone like me who has dealt with all this stuff before would have been like, oh, they missed the eight minutes. First off, if that, there was one question I didn't have, I didn't get answered out of all this article that was written about it was, was it like that during the trailers? Mm-hmm. Were, were people sitting there watching that and just assuming the movie would be fine and never came out and complained during that whole time? Because that's on you guys. <laughs> if you didn't complain for 20 minutes while trailers went on without dialogue and then eight minutes into the movie, you finally came out and said something. That's on you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's that's the, the second issue that happened to us this year was the first time that we saw Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. The the sound mix was, in my opinion, oh, pretty it was, fucking low. It was, it was messed up. And nobody got up to, to say anything. Yeah, including and, me. And thinking about it, like the trailers were pretty low too, but I, like John Q. Public, was thinking, oh, well, they'll probably fix it for the movie. I no. get into these situations where I'm just like, I, I'm I'm almost, I've almost given up on, I mean, I, maybe I shouldn't, but I've almost given up on like people doing stuff for me when right. I'm at a movie theater, you know, <laughs> yeah. like go out and especially that theater we were at yeah, where yeah. it's kind of, I don't know, it's a new theater, but it doesn't seem like they got all the, usually a new theater's got all the best and brightest. Right. They've been like <laughs> trained like crazy to open this theater and as you open you know it's like yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) some people who didn't get the memo on all that but i i do i do think that's an issue that there's just not enough people have the hands on and that's the reason why the presentation is bad i think i think the the reason people aren't going is more is is easier to look at there's so much more to do nowadays than there was back in the uh, like all the problems that you're talking about have existed for years yep. and i know that there you know union projectionists were probably more solid in 70s and 80s and everything so you did get people who cared more and everything but you went into them. I went in. I remember watching Twins when I was eleven. <laughs> uh, there was like a whole section of the movie that got cut out because of probably like a brain wrap or something. <laughs> I didn't know what it was at the time. It was Danny DeVito was like jumping around because you know the scene where he's like talking to the dude about how much he's gonna he's gonna get for this like uh, airplane part, whatever the fuck uh, he's selling. Uh, uh, and he, he's like, I was, you know, was, I was thinking something like 10 or whatever. And he's thinking 10,000 right. in his head. <laughs> and the guy's like, if you think you can do better than $10 million, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then Danny DeVito's like, Oh, 10 million. I didn't know we were going figures that high. And he starts jumping around $10 million and all that or whatever. Yeah. He was on the couch or whatever. And then it's like, it's like 
<laughs> jumped like all the way over into the other part of the screen. Oh yeah, like instantly or whatever. <laughs> and who knows? Union projectionists in Tennessee, there may not have been any for all for yeah, all I, I know. But um, I, I feel like even in the like even in the eighties and you know seventies and stuff, you're probably seeing this type of stuff. It's always been there, but just now you have video games, you have YouTube, you have so many you have tv that has all sorts of shows and movies on it there's there's so much convenience now whereas back in the 70s and 80s you didn't i mean you, v, the vcr came in around that time mm -hmm. and you i mean you got movies but it wasn't like oh this is cinematic quality or anything yeah it took until the 90s for even to get dvds yeah I mean, it, it's it's really just. I mean, I, I just think there's just too many options now, and that's the reason why everything has gotten eaten. Music's been eaten into. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not that sports. Has, that has nothing to do with the the. I guess the quality of music. I wouldn't think. Mm -hmm. I mean, every. I mean, we think there's some shit that's stupid out there, but. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, that's been the the argument over the last since the 1970s. People have said rock and roll is dead, and people are saying it now because on popular radio you very rarely ever hear any rock and roll. There's excellent rock and roll out there, but you have to look for it. It's mm -hmm. just not in the mainstream. Everything that you look at has, it has a lower audience than it used to. TV used to have 60-something million viewers for something like the finale of MASH. Right. Now, like, something like, you know, what what was the, I guess Big Bang Theory was the is the number one show right now. Mm -hmm. Something like that. It's not, it's not much, whatever. It's not nearly what it was back then. It's all because they're so it's segmented now. There's so much that you have to grade success on a different scale. Yeah, and uh, and I, I I get a little defensive about when people start talking about movies are dead and movies. Yeah. You know, you can't go to you can't go to theaters anymore and all that. All this shit the same as it was back in the day. Right. Where we just got more shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think about it, when we were growing up, um, you know, early '80s, there. There wasn't any of that shit you just rattled off. There was not only a not, not YouTube, there was no internet. Yeah. Took, we didn't have a VCR at first, you know, but basically my brother's life and mine w consisted of, you know, setting up army men and shooting marbles at them or going outside and playing wiffle ball um, or chew the bark off trees. Mm. That's an old <laughs> SNL reference. <laughs> Did you ever see? Uh, well, it's, it's a Dana Carvey character, uh, angry. Oh, old it's man. A, yeah. Back in my day. Yeah, in yeah, my yeah. day, we didn't have any fancy video games. We had to make up our own games like chew the bark off trees. <laughs> uh, we liked it. You know, if you were going to, not my family, because we didn't do the theater, but if you were going to go out and do something, big for fun you know you had a couple options you mm -hmm. go you know you go to the movies or go to the lake jerk off right mm -hmm. <laughs> is it morning um, <laughs> yep. but now i think you're right there are so many more options not only just for media but just for fun mm -hmm. like top golf just came to nashville recently and we went there and hung out and that was fun as hell yeah and think you know if three guys like us are like let's hang out saturday night what should we do see a movie i don't know top golf is pretty rad <laughs> i just think there's like you're saying there's more options there's more shit to do for me personally you know with the work we do on youtube has has sort of pushed me toward going to less movies now some of it's anxiety but i have a pretty good setup at home mm. um sound and audio or visual visual wise it's not the, exactly the same as seeing something like dunkirk in a theater yeah. but and that's why i went to see dunkirk in a theater but most movies that i see come up that i'm like oh i want to see that like shape of water like i know i'm gonna see it eventually because we're probably gonna sin it right 
right? Yeah. And I have somehow learned a certain amount of patience to where I'm like, okay, I'll just order that Blu-ray. I'll see that movie in three months. I'll either like it or not, but I don't have to worry about going to the theater. I don't have to worry about crowds or anxiety or any mm -hmm. of that. So I see less movies than I ever did before. A lot of it has to do with my job. I don't think that presentation has anything. To Although I did read an interesting thread on Reddit a couple weeks ago that some major chain, um, might be Cinemark, has apparently just given up caring about masking. Oh, really? And so, like, and there were multiple people chiming in from multiple cities with pictures of, hmm. like, what the screen looked like, like, with the masking all fucked up or completely gone. Huh. Like, they just don't change it or care anymore. They just project and whatever they're projecting on that. What you mean by masking is that the image doesn't go on the curtains or... Right. Or in some cases, the image isn't like condensed into some weird box on the screen, yeah. whatever. But masking is typically what from the projector to the screen, you have a certain like image that shows up. And, and back in the day, you used to put an aperture plate in a projector that used to like block yeah. the light that would go on to the top, bottom and left and right of the screen. Now you can go in and, and I don't know, even when digital came in the masking wasn't exactly right. And you can actually see like in certain, some cases where they don't have the, something's not right about how it's throwing onto the screen because subtitles are getting cut off. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's another part of the masking too. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's no, it's annoying as fuck because you're watching it and it's like image way over here on the, the folded little curtain shit on the right, <laughs> you know, and you're like, yeah, you know, I mean, it doesn't, you usually don't really register that information anyway when you're watching a movie with stuff that's way off to the right of the screen, but still it's noticeable. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Or even the other opposite of that, where there's no there's no curtain there and the mm -hmm. film doesn't take up the whole width of the screen and mm -hmm. it feels like you're watching some kind of like, you know, trimmed for TV version <laughs> yeah. of whatever Pain movie. Scan. Anyway, let's talk about The Greatest Showman. Okay. Okay. This is probably one of the worst looking movies I think I've ever seen trailers for. Mm -hmm. Every time I see a trailer for this movie, I just kind of groan and, and roll my eyes. And they put like five different yeah. ones <laughs> out. There's a ton I of them. There's, uh, I, I think I understand the optimism from the people who made this movie. Hugh Jackman, people love him. People loved him, love him when he sings, whether it's at the Oscars or in Les Mis. Has he sung other, other places? Probably. He, he didn't sing as Wolverine, I know that. Um, <laughs> and... You know, but it, it looks terrible. It looks like a movie that's trying to be a sanitized Moulin Rouge right. uh, kind of thing. Uh, but the biggest problem, uh, and, and I actually have homework for not YouTube, but the listeners. The biggest problem is basically they're completely glossing over the life of P.T. Barnum. Mm -hmm. And I think enough people will see this movie without realizing that P.T. Barnum was kind of an asshole. <laughs> like... So my homework to you is to read up on P.T. Barnum, ah. specifically the first handful of things that he did as exhibits. Like he bought this like 70 year old slave woman oh. and passed her off as a 160 year old former slave of George Washington's and did, did a lot of stuff like abusing and exploiting black people as like freak show performers. Yeah. Um, not good. Yeah, that doesn't seem like it's going to be prominently featured. It's like, well, a, it's like a girl that he worked with for a while who apparently accused him of like trying to poison her or something. Like, yeah. I, I really want you to do a deep dive like I did. I went down the rabbit hole and I knew, like I saw this trailer with my friend Jason when we saw Last Jedi maybe. Um, 
and he looked at me because he always wants to know what I think of the trailer. And I was like, well, he was a piece of shit in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, movie's probably not going to talk about that. But I had not remembered exactly how much of a piece of shit he is. But this is basically akin to making a snappy, smiley musical about Christopher Columbus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, P.T. Barnum didn't slaughter people, but he was a, a through and through asshole mm-hmm. uh, who exploited people like crazy. And uh, I think you should check it out. Now, there are there are plenty of these articles. I'm proud of the Internet and the film reporters. Uh, I've seen at least four different articles taking the film to task for just kind of ignoring everything bad the guy ever did and mm. making he's making him like Santa Claus, basically. Yeah. And <laughs> you know what? They can easily change that by just not making it P.T. fucking Barnum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make it fictional. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, why does Q-S it have to be P.T.? It's, it's not like P.T. Barnum is like some fucking box office draw or something. One of you these know? Uh, articles that I read, by the way, says, I, didn't, I haven't seen the movie, I won't, but one of the articles said he has three like two or three young daughters and the movie takes place over like 30 years and the kids never age oh shit oh really (laughs) i don't really know if that's true or not because i haven't seen the movie (laughs) that's still not as bad as just completely glossing over you know all of the true evil ignorant shit that he did before he (laughs) not to mention even when you get to happy times and like the elephants and the circus. Oh, yeah, yeah, The elephants were being abused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, not, this is not a dude to celebrate. Like you said, just make it a fictionalized version. Right. Um, and I think people could get behind well, it. Well, that's how they. That's how uh, Paul Thomas Anderson essentially dodged Scientology with the master. Yeah. Is that mm-hmm. he didn't make him L. Ron Hubbard. Yep. It was very much like it, but I think he, he got away essentially scot-free from mm-hmm. the wrath of these, you know, litigious Well, it's the same thing uh, as uh, primary colors. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times a movie can be better when they do that yeah. than when it tries too hard to be faithful. No, I would, I, I totally agree. And The Master in particular, if that were a biopic, a straight-up biopic, uh, instead of being more about Joaquin Phoenix's character, I would not like it nearly as much as I, I do. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. Next yeah. segment. We're oh, yeah. I'm excited about this one. Doing the recommend slash warning. Totes amazeballs. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Um. Okay, I got a couple under the recommend. I, I, I talked briefly about Molly's Game. I think that's a so definitely a recommend. Can't wait. Although, did I did I briefly talk about Molly's Game in the outtakes that are going to happen? I or? think so. Okay, so let's say in the outtakes, there's probably going to be something about Molly's Game later. But I'm bringing it up for the first time ever that we've <laughs> never heard about it in this uh, in this podcast. Um, I think Sorkin has got this sort of this biopic thing down uh, where. Uh, you know, he did this in the social network and he did this in uh, Steve Jobs where there's uh, one constant thing that is going on, but it flashes back to the other part of the story before this and everything. And again, Sork, you didn't know, you didn't need to know Sorkin did this to know Sorkin did this. <laughs> yeah. It is so many different, like the way he does, the way he does dialogue and the way he cuts on certain words and, and everything. It's just in, in like the way somebody will bring something up and then they won't answer that question. And then somebody will like in the middle of another conversation, like you said this before, right. you know, like it's, <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah, they, yeah. they do. He does that a <laughs> lot. Like there's a part in this where Idris Elba is talking to Jessica Chastain and he's like, uh, how long is it? Bef- how long is it uh, since you last slept? And she's like, man, I've been doing all this stuff today. I've been blah, blah, blah. I did this on Tuesday. I did this on Wednesday. I did this on Thursday, whatever. They go on, they talk for another 
10 to 15 minutes and he goes you didn't answer my question <laughs> <laughs> that is so social networking yes it is yes how, it is uh, how is the poker handled uh and, and now there's there's very little actual like poker being played i mean you, i mean being shown in this there's a few hands that they show in here where you know and they they you know it's very helpful like graphics like he's got a full house right now uh. and blah 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 <laughs> and you know like yeah okay all right um uh, and there's like a couple of hands in there where you're like i don't quite understand even if this guy's a novice player i don't understand why he does this but i guess you know i guess if you want to play you know, put ten thousand dollars up for a poker game and you're just rich and dumb you yeah. know you do that type of thing and there's a scene in there where michael Sarah, who's basically playing toby mcguire um is uh it, it bluffs this guy off the best hand he can possibly have and like i just i was like sitting there going i guess that happens <laughs> i guess it does but i don't understand why he does that and apparently that really happened that was something that really happened wow. and she wrote about it um but uh yeah the poker is sort of uh I, I don't know it's not it's not required for your enjoyment of this this is more about her and what she's doing to set up these games and who she's dealing with and everything and and like she you know it's apparently it's like two years after she last ran an illegal game that she's getting arrested and she has to find the lawyer and everything and the you know the whole story is basically the you know they want to they want to get her to uh point to some russian mob people that were at her game that she didn't know were russian mob people mm. or didn't know that they were this deep into it or whatever and she keeps saying, well, I didn't know they were. They, they These people say they want to come. They have the money. I don't ask questions. I just let them play. And, you know, I'm the banker. And I just, <laughs> you know, that's the type of thing. And uh, But, yeah, Idris Elba is probably one of his best roles I've oh, ever hmm. seen him in. I mean, he's never – I don't know if he'll ever top the wire. Mm -hmm. But this is – Dark uh, Tower. The, yeah, the Dark Tower for <laughs> sure. Um, this and uh, – and that movie, Beast of a – no beast of no nation beast of no nation yeah yeah uh that's those those are like his i think those are his top performers and then this was this one's good hearing sorkin's dialogue coming out of idris Elba's great i thought that is awesome so yeah I, I i fully recommend that movie it's uh it's 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 very good and and like i said aaron asked for the top five i immediately put it in my top five mm. uh another one that i want to talk about is a netflix series called dark Mm. I uh, was told uh, to watch this from Jacob from Modern Horrors. Oh. Um, and uh, it is a German TV series. It's a sci-fi, um, I guess a little bit of horror here and there, but it's German. I, and I suggest that if you want to watch this, you watch it with the German audio and the english subtitles if you can't understand german um <laughs> if you can uh, that would be weird <laughs> because because the dub oh the dubs are just awful i don't uh, know how that, people deal with dubs mm -hmm. at all yeah. like their mouths are just not matching up with what's being said uh but uh but dark is a, is a time travel show um it is about this town in germany that uh, has a nuclear plant and uh kids are coming up missing Mm. and uh so that you know so everybody's trying to figure out you know what's exact what's exactly happening to these kids who's responsible all that 
and at, you know you do find so it goes over uh there's three different uh time periods there's a 1953 1986 and 2019 mm-hmm. uh so it goes through all this stuff and it's basically saying everything in the future affects the past everything in the past affects the future and it's all this just cyclical thing and it's just fun uh it, it i may have to watch it again because there's so many characters and so many characters playing younger versions and so many you know so many different like that going on that i didn't know exactly like every single instance of what character was being on the screen but it's not required for you to know like every single last thing and i'm i'm gonna watch it again because i enjoyed it that much awesome is it one season it's one season nice so far but yeah i enjoyed this heavily i i I binged it basically over this past week nice Mm -hmm. check that out so i have two recommends as well Mm -hmm. i think i've mentioned before of my shameful interest and addiction uh to the lifetime movies Mm mm-hmm um it's the not the christmas ones right like the hallmark christmas i don't get on board with all that mm. shit um uh, but anything to do with like m- hot people and murder <laughs> <laughs> i will i will sit through most any lifetime movie network and i have one on my warnings for later but i have got one on my recommend for this week specifically for you two even if the listeners don't want to watch and it's uh, it's Drew Peterson, Untouchable. Mm-hmm. Oh, now this is Rob Lowe, right? Playing the cop that killed at least one, maybe multiple wives. Mm-hmm. Kaylee Cuoco is in this from Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and this movie's not great. None of these movies are great. I'm <laughs> recommending this movie because of Rob Lowe's performance, because he talks like you've never heard him talk. He's doing some kind. I think he's doing an impression of it's this a Chicago guy, guy right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so there's a little bit of an accent, a little bit of an interesting delivery. Uh, he's just skeezy. Yeah, he looks skeezy. You almost wonder how he ever landed as many wives as he did. Yeah, because he looks and talks so weird and skeezy. I am mesmerized by Rob Lowe's performance in this movie. <laughs> it is so understated. I think it's brilliant. Interesting. Mm. And if you've seen it, tell me I'm right or wrong. I'm not the rest of the movie. You can take or leave, <laughs> but like uh, Tom Cruise's brother is in this. Oh, uh, the guy that was on Lost, William Mapather. Yeah, Mapather, um, <laughs> something like that. A couple other Mapather, Mathapur. I always like say that. it, Mapother. M- M- yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> but I've just I've never seen Rob Lowe do anything like this mm-hmm. uh, before or since, and I just I can't. Every time I see it on the TV guy when I'm flipping, I watch it. I've seen part of it, and I actually we lived through a lot of that trial and all that craziness yeah. when we were in Chicago. It was all over the news, and uh, yeah, you're right. The guy exudes this weird charm, even while he's being like a, a total scumbag. Like when they brought him into the prison, I don't know if this is in the movie, but they brought him into the prison. He's like yelling. He's like, "I'm the big baller now!" And like, oh, shit like in, that. in the movie, they're like they tell him to strip when they're booking him into prison. He's like, "Get a good look" or something yeah. like that. Like he's <laughs> like he's he. At least the movie portrays him to be, at some point, he gets so enamored with his own celebrity that he kind of gets delusional. Of course, this is a person that tried to cover up one, maybe more murders, so he probably was delusional to begin with. Um, But basically, the movie picks up um, where he and his wife have split up, and he's now starts dating Kaylee Cuoco. Mm-hmm. And I think the ex-wife even warns her, you watch out, he's not what you think he is. There's and, definitely a scene. And then he goes to, and he kills her, the ex-wife. And then at some point, Kaylee Kawoko goes missing. 
And he makes up this story that she left him for some other guy out on the coast or what have you. And he just sticks to it. Like, mm-hmm. so if, if I say it enough, people will believe it. And no one does. It's fascinating. I'm yeah. fascinated by the real case. Um, I'm fascinated by the Lifetime movie version. Mm. Um, <clears throat> anyway, just watch a few minutes. I'm not actually going to ask you to spend two <laughs> hours of your life on a Lifetime movie network. But I just want to know if you guys think I'm crazy about Rob Lowe in that movie. Right. Because very, it, it intrigues me. Uh, my other recommend is something that Chris kind of recommended unofficially a few weeks ago in the podcast. And then that's a Sam Raimi film called A Simple Plan. Ooh, mm, great oh, one. Yeah. Now, this has been playing on Stars or Showtime. Every time I mention, I, I just rattle them all off because I never know which channel right. I'm actually on. Um, <clears throat> it's been playing a lot. And, and over the last week or two, um, it has been the better option over something else multiple times. And I think Fargo really fucked this movie over. Yeah. At least in terms of how much it looked like Fargo when yeah. it came out. Well, and and it's uh Raimi's a buddy of the Coens. Well, yeah. And uh so yeah, it kind of has that some some blending in there. Yeah, and there's some twisted comedy, there's a snowy setting, mm-hmm. there's murder, there's unique characters. I think there's a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. But if the, if that has kept you away, watch a simple plan. It's kind of fucking awesome this is my favorite bill paxton performance okay and that's what i wrote in my notes i'm pretty sure this is my favorite bill paxton maybe edge of tomorrow Mm. because it's so unexpected yeah uh, in the humor of it um but just for character depth uh unlike twister where his earnestness sometimes feels forced and fake (laughs) in this movie by the end of it i feel like you genuinely buy that he and billy bob are brothers Mm -hmm. that he loves billy bob even though billy bob is just stupid yeah and a, a world biggest fuck up uh but there's really great acting here i think billy bob's performance is completely overshadowed by you know fargo overshadowing the movie overshadowing the movie and billy bob just having such a varied career he's fucking fantastic he's in this great movie. And he's play. playing a guy who is somewhat mentally challenged i don't think the movie ever explains you know it's not like down syndrome or something mm. but um <clears throat> so they stumble upon this money this crash plane in the middle of the woods, and there's money in it, uh, and they take it. And where it goes from there, I'll leave it to you. Uh, that probably happens in the first 15 minutes. Uh, but I think it takes at least three turns you don't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, much like Drive, when I brought that up the other day, it does get shockingly violent a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is really a drama, and it's really kind of a, a brother drama, a family drama. And uh, it's just, I, every time I see bits and pieces of it, I think it's better than the previous time. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. I think you should watch it. Yeah, uh, Bill Paxton's one of those actors. It He has been in a lot of movies where he's been sort of forced to act a certain way and you're like either you're really with it or you can't be with it <laughs> right. just, he's 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 one of the more interesting character actors i think we've yeah. ever had and just before he died he had a couple of podcasts last year uh, listen to the one that he did with mark Marin because it's uh he has a lot of great stories and he is probably one of the most engaging person people i've ever heard on a podcast because he's so so happy about everything and i I think even at this was even at the time he was diagnosed with whatever he had and And he's just sitting there talking about you know just movies and like and and mark maron will bring up aliens yeah man i love aliens (laughs) man that was big for me man you know (laughs) people always coming down the street saying game over man i love that you know (laughs) awesome uh for my recommend so my like fascination with Stanley Kubrick has now turned into full on obsession. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, 
primarily because of the 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 package that Chris and Jeremy got for me of of his later discography, basically starting from Lolita all the way into Eyes Wide Shut. And it's also got a documentary on there uh, called Stanley Kubrick: Life in Pictures, mm. and it goes. It's two and a half hours long. Wow. It goes through everything. And from, you know, his start with, you know, stuff like the killing and paths of glory and all that stuff. And then it starts really gaining strength and it goes into the psyche of him and interviews his wife and his kids and Mm. things like that. It is fucking compelling. And it shows a lot of clips of the movies that he's done. And you can see they break down the film style. It's interviews with Spielberg and Scorsese. Awesome. Woody Allen. Like every there's little Bon Mots in this thing that absolutely will destroy you, especially if you're you're a big Kubrick fan. Like Woody Allen uh, comes on and says, the first time that I watched 2001, I didn't like it very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the next time I was seeing this woman, and this woman says, I want to go see 2001, and I liked it a little better. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw it for a third time, and I loved it. You know, that I've kind of seen thing. this documentary. It was on HBO, I think, at one point. Uh-huh. And I remember him saying that. Yeah. That's a great documentary. It's fantastic. The whole thing about Kubrick doing Napoleon, uh, a Napoleon uh, movie, getting everything ready, getting locations. They're literally going out to film this movie. And then another Napoleon movie comes out and doesn't do very well. And just basically says, I'm I'm just going to scrap it. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. The fact that, that Kirk Douglas basically hired him, uh, rented Kubrick uh, for Spartacus, and they had all kinds of issues going back and forth. And it's narrated by Tom Cruise actually. And then of course it ends with eyes wide shut. The great thing about this, documentaries that a lot of documentaries like if you made one about scorsese right now you would feel like oh that's really cool but it's incomplete because he's probably going to make five six more movies at least Mm -hmm. uh this is finite because it's the entire breadth of kubrick's career and you can step back it's it's been far enough uh behind that we can really evaluate it and it's a finite story it ends with uh, you know the his his death right after eyes wide shut really really compelling uh, you should definitely watch it. Speaking of Scorsese, did you see the set photos? Like, he's making a movie right now with De Niro and Pacino and Joe Pesci, and it's about some real-life guy, John Gotti, maybe. Right. It's, uh, uh, this is the Irishman or something? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, something like that. But the photograph on set is uh, the the lifts in De Niro's shoes to make him as much taller than Pacino as his character would be in real life. Oh, yeah? And the lifts look like this. They're like oh, five, seriously? Six, I mean, I was having, like, Seinfeld flashbacks. <laughs> like, he's heightening! He's heightening! <laughs> That's funny, because you would think that just by being normal size, like, he would tower over Pacino. You know, Pacino's I like 5'4". I'm convinced like nobody in Hollywood is as tall or as short as we think they are. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, if you think they're short, they're super tall. If you think they're tall, they're not. They're short. Yeah. They're yeah. little munchkins. Yeah. By the way, this is uh, apparently, I don't know if it's just about Jimmy Hoffa, but Al Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa. Okay. But I've heard about this movie for quite some time. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of looking for it. It's supposed to be Netflix, right? Uh, Maybe. I think that's what it I is. I just hope it's more heat. Than it is Righteous Kill. <laughs> God, I saw Righteous Kill the other day. That's so. Oh, why did you watch that? I just I was eating lunch and I was like, here it's on. Look, there's Pacino arguing with De Niro, and then there's this weird subplot of Carlo Gugino or Gugino is like into S and M or something yeah. like that, and she gets slapped around by De Niro, and mm-hmm. she likes it. Yeah, and she used to date Pacino, and it's fucked up. The yeah. whole thing is fucked yeah. up. Yep. Yep. What you yeah, did was righteous. Yes, yes exactly. 
<laughs> but anyway, it's like 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 all time all time like give away the killer line all time like we're watching a movie called righteous kill he said that kill was righteous <laughs> he must have done it <laughs> i think they should have gotten uh the andrew stanton from finding nemo to righteous yeah, yeah, yeah. that kill was righteous dude. i'll give my warning because it's silly I got caught watching a movie called Christmas Cookies at my parents. Caught by whom? Well, I mean, I got kind of sucked into a vortex where it was after dinner and during Christmas Eve uh, when I got together with my family. We had lunch, bellies full, sitting in a recliner. Somebody puts on Hallmark Movie Channel, Mm -hmm. and we end up watching this movie called christmas cookies mm. and every part of it my father and i were watching he's like man listen your mom watches these all the time i'll call out the plot I've never seen this movie and he's like you know she's like a business ex- executive going to this small town she turns out to be a business executive mm. going to a small town the the owner of the business is going to be a hot guy that she wants to, <laughs> that she hates at first and then she'll come around to love exactly what happened oh, oh wow. it was such a waste of like 90 minutes of my time but we just we were too full and too lazy to really turn it off. But don't, if you find that on your TV, run, run. It's terrible. It's like, um, I have this thing, and I know you guys don't necessarily agree. I kind of enjoyed Family Guy for a little while, but any of the other Seth MacFarlane cartoons, The Cleveland Show, mm-hmm. or especially American Dad, like it's like nails on a chalkboard for me. Mm-hmm. And I watch all these Friends reruns all the time, and TBS is one of the channels that plays Friends reruns for like four hours. And then goes into an American Dad marathon of reruns, and if I, like as soon as it starts, I'm like, ah, where's the remote? I got to change it. Oh God, I got to take it. every second that American Dad is on my TV sucks a little bit of my soul away. Good morning, USA. Oh God, I can't stand it. <clears throat> that was a you. I don't even know what movie I was watching, but you know, it was like a lifetime thing. That same thing happened to me. Uh, last year when i went to visit my brother and everything we had just gotten done with like some food or whatever and then we sat on the couch and suddenly some like lifetime movies on and it was a christmas movie and it was you know it's oddly a lot like what you were talking about they're all like that and uh and like (laughs) and like there was a there was a magical elf in it oh we didn't have a magical and uh all that i didn't wasn't paying much attention it was more like look up and you see some bullshit and then you start talking <laughs> and then you look back up and you're like oh how'd they get to the here again? i don't know fuck it um <laughs> yeah those movies are, are awful i don't i don't recommend going to lifetime in general yeah <laughs> uh I, actually i just never go to it so i was surprised to see both of you had pitched some sort of lifetime movie <laughs> well I'm this like, is hallmark this is not hot people killing. It's eh, the same fucking thing. Yeah. Hallmark lifetime. This was probably Hallmark too. Whatever yeah, this true. was. So I don't know. I, I just get them all confused. <laughs> yes, just avoid at all. Yeah, costs. exactly. Um, movie I've seen recently that uh, no one should see, but apparently lots of people saw. I still don't get this. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Tell No Tales. Uh, uh, definitely tipping our hand here that this is a fucking sins video that's coming out. <laughs> Yeah, this is the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, I don't know what else we have to say about this character anymore. Mm. I don't understand. Like, it, it, it's one of those things. Like, you know, in the first one, there's 
some sort of specialness to it where it's like oh i didn't know that there were ghosts on a ship and they were running that ship and they're you know and there's a curse and everything it seems like that's the only thing that's that's going on in that pirates of the caribbean world in that first one and then as you get through some more it's like it, this is like a common occurrence yeah like how <laughs> every do, ship how has do ghosts. people don't how do well, how come people don't believe in this shit anymore <laughs> it's everywhere you know like uh yeah and yeah this one's it's exactly like the first one dead people on a ship they ha- they want to get rid of their curse um you know and it's uh, gotta find the 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 magical uh, doobly-doo or whatever that <laughs> that uh that gets them away from the curse or whatever and actually in this one it's th- they have a curse um is it henry henry turner who's the son of will turner is trying to get will off the ship that he apparently well he he does he's captaining that ship that stellan skarsgård was right at the end of at world's end that's his dad he took over for him and the third one you probably don't remember that ship. <laughs> the uh the the end credits of that movie shows kira knightley and and a kid that looks remarkably similar to the kid that they used later on <laughs> um uh going on a hill and seeing like this big green flash of whatever and oh it's will he's back he's here for like a can step on land every 10 years or whatever and you know okay but this story starts off with him looking a lot like how stellan skarsgård did in the third one which is weird because he's the captain of that ship now he's not he's like he's like the bill nye character yeah yeah and uh i mean he's he's not gonna turn squiddy he's not gonna turn (laughs) you don't want to mess with orlando bloom's pretty face too much I i don't get i didn't get that at all so but this kid this is the stupidest part, and it's the main part. It's the main plot of this movie. He wants to break his father's curse so that he'll come home. Mind you, he's seen his dad one time in his life uh, because he can only show up on land t- every ten years. <laughs> like there's this, he's got this some sudden need to like see his father. Like they've been having like Christmases together. And shit. <laughs> I'm like I don't understand that, but like. The, the dumbest part of this movie is they have to find Poseidon's trident. <laughs> and it's like, there's a, there's a girl in here. She's in Maze Runner. And, uh, and uh, she's, she's like basically taking over the Kira Knightley role. Mm. And, and Will Turner's son is taking over the Will Turner role or whatever. Um, she is a person of science. Ooh. And she, and this, and Henry starts telling her like, you know, there's like ghosts out there and there's all that. She's like, you know, these things aren't supported by science, but she's there to talk to him about getting Poseidon's trident. (laughs) And I was like, so wait a minute. So ghosts and stuff. That's, that's not science. Poseidon's trident. Yep. Totally on board because it's in Galileo's fucking diary. (laughs) And, uh, and just like, you know, I was, I was just, uh, befuddled but again it's this is another one of those bullshit pirates movies where there's it, all the same things are going to happen mm. they have boat battles there's sword fights and <laughs> stupid places there's you know accidental jumping into some sort of like you know uh building of some sort and doing a sword fight or <laughs> like uh oh i got caught by this person or whatever it's just it, it's all the same and johnny depp really does look like he's slumming it now he mm. just he's just he's just kind of like wake me up when this is over <laughs> like every time he says something now it's like god you sound so tired yeah when you say this you know you just you just sound like you don't right. even he's gotta he's gotta pay off those debts i was man. gonna say he might have some financial reasons for <laughs> saying yes to that maybe. yeah i mean I, I don't doubt it but i 
I was I was dumbfounded as to why this movie made here in America 172 million dollars. Really? Yeah. Now the budget for this movie was 230 million. I know they shot it two years ago. They shot it in 2015. And so, like, I'm sure there was all sorts of other little issues and everything. And who knows? Maybe they, maybe they were hoping all this Johnny Depp news would would blow over or something. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Um, but um, 172 and it million. probably cleaned up worldwide. And it made too, 622 right? million elsewhere. So it's a nearly 800 million dollars it made. That's gonna be another one. And uh, I just, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. There's no, there's everything about it is tired. Even Javier Bardem, who's like a just always likable, <laughs> I'm like fuck you for taking this movie. I know your wife Penelope Cruz took the last one, but so you don't have to. You don't have to continue it. Oh man. Uh, so yeah, uh, steer clear of it. I don't. I, I actually know nobody who has seen this movie at all. 172 million dollars it That's made here crazy. in the U.S. Oh my God! Yo All right, ho. so my, here's my warning. 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 I actually am going to do one quick one because I said I was going to, and then I'm going to do the real one. The quick one is my lifetime movie warning, uh -huh. and I recommended the Rob Lowe one. I want to steer you away from one called Jody Arias' Dirty Little Secret. Yeah, I've seen part of this one too. Now, this is the girl who was in Malcolm in the Middle as like a classmate, uh -huh. and then the next saw her on Lost as like. One of well, she's Ben's daughter. She's the uh, in she the French woman's daughter. The French woman's daughter. Yeah, somebody's daughter. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, which oh, they shot several years later, she's all grown up and she's <laughs> grown up. <laughs> he grows she's up. up. And this movie is all about PG rated sex. Uh -huh. So she's writhing around. This is very uncomfortable for me because I am seeing nerdy Malcolm's classmate. <laughs> playing sexy bimbo killer there's this whole mormon subplot the guy she's dating is a mormon mm. and of course mormons don't have the sex right but and so he like has to hide her and then of course this is based on a true story she ends uh -huh. up stabbing him in the shower like 17 times out of jealousy <clears throat> and now she's in prison and of course they made a movie about her. This movie is not redeemable in any way. There's no Rob Lowe is doing something cool here in this movie. There's nothing you need to watch in this movie. That was actually quick, believe it or not. Um, the real one I want to steer you away from is, is a movie I keep seeing on one of the movie channels, and it's called uh, Brooklyn's Finest. Oh, yeah. I think I brought this up before, but not as a, as a hard warning. This is an Anton Fuqua movie about crooked cops in oh, New York. Yeah. Here's the cast. Ethan Hawke, Don Cheadle, Richard Gere, Wesley Snipes, Will Patton, Lily Taylor, Michael Kenneth Williams, Ellen Barkin, and Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm -hmm. Wow. And this movie is boring as hell. Really? Now, none of those, Fuqua, Crooked Cops, and that cast, yeah. you could you should be able to sleepwalk through that, making that <laughs> mm -hmm. and make something interesting for me. And I just kept watching going, well, when is it going to get good? When is it going to get good? Sooner or later, it's going to get good, right? And it ultimately, it feels like like a B movie that somehow landed A actors. That's crazy. Uh, you know, it feels like the kind of movie that Richard Grieco should be in. <laughs> yeah. Instead of Richard Gere. There's a scene where Richard Gere, who's a cop, goes to his favorite prostitute and outside, he's outside her apartment and he hears that she's still fucking her previous client. I think he even looks at them. Mm -hmm. He waits. Client leaves. He goes in and fucks her. Ah. Oh, uh, all right. All right. I mean, <laughs> there's, I, I was shocked by how little 
there is positive in this movie, and I basically lost two hours of my life through Borg. So I would steer you away from Brooklyn's finest. That's crazy. It almost reminds me of like Public Enemies. Like I don't yeah. know how Michael Mann and Christian Bale and Johnny Depp Agreed. at that point yeah. could make a boring fucking movie. Yeah. I agree, did. Yeah. yeah, good comparison. But yeah, that uh, that uh, that girl that you're talking about, or was it Tania Raymond yes. or something like that? Yes. She she um. I believe she was the French woman's daughter, and then didn't Ben like adopt her or something like that? Is I that think what you're that... right. I think I think she's first presented in the show as Ben's daughter, and then we later find out he basically stole her from the French. Yeah, woman. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We get we got we got called out on Facebook for not knowing what the fuck was going on in Lost. By the way. Oh really? Really? Mm-hmm. No. You well, mean like, by people who thought the ending was all explained? I don't know. They said that. Uh, that uh, you know the the island wasn't purgatory, and I was like, well, at the end they're at a church and they're waiting to go to heaven, and uh, you know it seems like they're kind of saying it's purgatory. But the you know, uh, Cuse and Lindelof both said it wasn't purgatory. They both came out and said that. But I, I think th- to me, it, it is what it is. Nick Saban said he wasn't going to be the coach of Alabama ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> ever <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's just it's like it to me it's like uh, you had you know you had it was an article in 2014 so it was four years after the finale and everything like by that time you have a you know pretty good idea of how to just say that it wasn't and and you know no no it wasn't totally but you know i, I know what i saw yeah <laughs> <laughs> i saw a bunch of people in a church yeah i don't know i mean <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to call people out or whatever. It's just, it was just, it was funny. We're bringing up Lost again. And, this, and, and, I, and, and that's fresh in my mind because somebody said, well, you didn't understand that show. I was like, well, wait I they- watched the fuck out of Lost and read everything about it. Wait till they hear us mess up the daughter of Ben slash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Blood boiling right now. Oh, it's not Ben's daughter. He stole her from the French. Oh, he got there eventually. Okay, good. Oh, my goodness. You want to do some? Some fantasy casting. Recasting. casting. Is this just fantasy? No stars. No stars. I want Bruce Willis. Not Bruce Willis. No Schwarzenegger. Junior Robbins. This is bad. Bad for movie stars everywhere. Oh my God. Now listen, this is going to be a fun one, but strangely enough, we got a question from a listener about a movie that's going to be perfect for next week that I'll, I'll just tease here. I'll tell you guys later on, but it, tune in next week. It's going to be really super awesome. The recasting? Mm, the fantasy yes. casting? Yes. Okay. Kick oh, us off, Barrett. Barrett. All right. So kick us. Listen, this is New Year's Day. Everybody's been out partying or fun. enjoying with family <laughs> or just kind of hanging out, that kind of thing, enjoying festivities by yourself. Listen, it's it's party time, though. It's party season. It's excellent. So, uh, P-A-R-T-Y? Because I gotta. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it comes before part B. Part A. Uh, so anyway, because of that, we're going to do a party movie that revolves around uh, a lot of uh, opulence and, and celebration, The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Now, The Great Gatsby has had, I don't know how many remakes, but the most recent one was 2013 Baz Luhrmann with Mm -hmm. Leo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire. There was another one with uh, Robert Redford and Mia Farrow back in the 70s. Okay. And uh, Carey Mulligan is in this one and uh, Joel Edgerton, I believe, uh, in in this Mm -hmm. remake. Now, Baz Luhrmann has his style. Uh, I've never really been a fan of it. It's kind of like Chris and Guillermo Guillermo del Toro. How Mm -hmm. many times can we fuck up that guy's name? Yeah, At least you didn't try calling him Benicio. (laughs) But uh, I've never been really a fan of his style. Now, this is a perfectly 
fine movie, I guess. It's not really objectionable, uh, but it's about The Great Gatsby, which is uh, Jay Gatsby is this um, wealthy dude that hosts parties that is pining for a lost love. Um, there's a kid from, or a guy from, you know, on the other side of the tracks that finds himself in this kind of atmosphere. The lost love also has, has a husband and they have, he has a mistress that also has a husband. So there's six main cast members in this mm-hmm. that we are going to now recast. So I got to tell you, it was an inspired choice to go with Leo DiCaprio for, for Jay Gatsby because he radiates this charm and opulence and things like that. But I, I, I kind of want like a little more because his backstory is a lot more complicated. I want him to have a darker side. And for that, I'm going to have Tom Hardy as Jay Gatsby. Uh, now, the, the, the Tobey Maguire character, uh, who's Nick um, in, in the Baz Luhrmann version, he's kind of wide-eyed and innocent and everything like that. But it turns into more of like kind of a knowing type of role. And I got to have somebody solid to go up against Tom Hardy, who's a, just a fucking powerhouse. So I'm going to choose Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Oh. Now both of those actors are a little bit older than you know the the literary characters, but we're fucking recasting here. We can take a little bit of liberty. and they can pass for 30s or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's going to be a tense relationship. Can you imagine the tension that those guys can generate together in some of those scenes? It's knife cuttable. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, for Daisy, who's Jay's lost love, who's now married to Tom, uh, Daisy comes from money. She comes from Louisville money. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and she has the world on her plate for that reason. I'm going to take future royalty, Meghan Markle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Married to, uh, Prince Harry. Uh, she was in the, the show suits, never really saw it, but, uh, Hey, you know, mm-hmm. I figure she's used to that kind of lifestyle, so she could pull it off. Oh, I see. Uh, with Tom, Tom is kind of a sinister character. He's got a lot of business going on. He's got a side piece going on. He's got, you know, this relationship with Daisy. Um, a guy that really, like, arrested my attention this year was Caleb Landry Jones mm-hmm. in Get Out. Yep. He's pure menace. Which one is he? He's the the brother uh, that yeah. uh, He's is fucked up. just... And I, I wouldn't have thought that because he plays Banshee in X-Men First Class. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the only time I've ever seen him before. Yep. And the way that he portrays that character in Get Out is fucking sinister, man. So I think he'd be a good Tom. The I, I, I use the term side piece, but the mistress uh, <laughs> in, in this tale is Myrtle. Myrtle is from kind of like the, 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 the wrong end of town. And because I want to uh, to have like somebody with some authenticity, Mila Kunis is going to be Myrtle Ooh, for me. Oh. And uh, Myrtle's husband, uh, who is essentially the most innocent person in this yep. uh, this whole book and movie, is going to be played by Norman Reedus. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you think he screams innocence? You got, huh? you got, you got some uh, some rule like character faces in yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Norman Reedus and Caleb Landry Jones have yeah. have very marked looking faces. Like just you know just you know who they are immediately every time you see them. It's mm-hmm. uh, they just very 
just yeah just character faces yeah you know uh but they're they're good actors too exactly so. i don't know uh who i'm gonna get to direct this that's just the the casting but i don't know if mm. you guys did directors i did director and score oh did you do director? i didn't but i thought of some while you were talking nice. <laughs> Interesting face mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway that's my cast what do you good guys one. Think? all right well uh this is uh this was interesting for me because i hated this book oh really and like there was this, it was about 10 years ago, maybe. My brother decided, I'm going to go through and read all these classics that, for whatever reason, we weren't given to read in school, but other kids were at their schools. And then he he would send it to me after he read it. He did this like with like five, 10 different books. So Catch 22 was one of the first ones. Mm, I loved that book. Yeah. Um, and then Catcher in the Rye, fucking hated that book. Are you serious? Yeah. And wow. then uh, this one, uh, Great Gatsby, and I didn't like that book either. Uh, this may be why we stopped doing this. I don't know. So, and my only connection to the Great Gatsby is the Leo movie, mm-hmm. which I saw once and don't super remember. So, <laughs> as I said in my notes, I had to Google who some of these people were. Mostly, I was looking on the IMDb who played this character, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of how I decided to go through it. So, Gatsby, I want Andrew Garfield. Mm. Oh, nice! Because we've really only seen him either do awkward. Or like, oh shucks, like in Hacksaw Ridge. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I would like to see him do dashing, charming, and debonair. I think he could pull it off. Mm-hmm. I think he's got the looks. He's the right age, unlike Tom Hardy. <laughs> um, and then for the Tobey Maguire character, I'm going with Logan Lerman, Percy Jackson himself, nice, because yeah. I think he could do a really good take on that wide-eyed kid from the wrong side of the tracks who's enthralled by this new environment he finds himself in. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Daisy. I'm going Kristen Stewart. Mm. Oh, nice. Because I don't think we've ever seen her play this kind of character. But not 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 in a distant period role, not the wealthy heiress. Yeah, no, I like that because she's wealthy and she's idealized, but she's not virginal. And I think that's true. The character itself. Right. And I think I've Kristen also Stewart can handle that. Yeah. Kristen Stewart's a better actress than she gets credit for. Mm-hmm. Um but I think only in like maybe a couple ad campaigns or fashion spreads. I've seen her done up like she's from the 30s or 20s before. Mm-hmm. I think she could look the, the the role really well. Yeah. She's a good actress. Got a little bit of a crush on her. <laughs> <laughs> For Tom, who I even wrote in my notes, if this is the asshole guy that, <laughs> that I think he is, I go with Paul Dano. Yeah. Oh, nice. Because I think he could be a good menacing, thuggy husband who's cheating on his wife i like that i wonder what paul dano's been doing lately he's directing a movie is he really he's doing his first directorial debut and he's got some really good actors in it too um and i'm forgetting everything else i've I've read about it but i've read about it (laughs) twice now interesting Um, i think they're actually shooting right now Hmm. uh all right and then myrtle this is the side piece yes chloe grace moritz Mm. Uh, interesting (laughs) somebody else i think would look right at home in 1920s 30s garb Uh um and i think that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> How old is she now? She's 20. She's 20? Yep. She's old enough to be a side piece. <laughs> you just you have Amityville horror and you fresh in your brain right. when she's like seven years old or whatever. Uh, George is the nice guy husband. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Efron, because we were just saying mm-hmm. we wanted to see him do mm-hmm. more dramatic work. Mm-hmm. I could Not totally see comedy that. stuff. I could see him doing that. I'm going to have this directed by Sam Mendes. Yeah. Oh, nice. And scored by Thomas Newman. Now, the way Mendes handled... The period stuff in Road to Perdition gives me absolute faith. He also just does, he has gorgeous shots in all of his movies, um, but he doesn't have that Baz Luhrmann distinctive style that's going to imprint the film mm-hmm. um, in a way that 
that may do harm. Right. Uh, because he's done Bond. He's done American Beauty, Road to Perdition. He's been all over the place here. Um, I think he can handle it really well. Of course, mm-hmm. he almost always works with Thomas Newman. So mm-hmm. throwing, yeah. throwing aboard Thomas Newman. In nice. There. Yeah. yeah. Call me Hollywood. All right. Uh, I'm going to do an all Spanish Gatsby. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I love all right. your recasting. Um, yep. The, uh, <laughs> Can it be Spanish language, I, too? <laughs> I, yes. I actually thought that. I was thinking we could do this all in Spanish. Yeah. If there's anything, if there's any fucking story that needs color to it, it's fucking Great Gatsby. Ah, uh, that's true. Uh, yeah. I mean, in the modern day. Yes. Like back then, sure. In the jazz age, we're fine. Yeah. yeah. But here, we need to have some color, and we're going to make an all Spanish Great Gatsby. We may have to change the names. Uh-huh. I don't know. The Great Gatsbatico. Yes. Is that racist? Wait, was I just accidentally racist? I remember when I took Spanish. They taught me that Ito is how you make something little. Yes. So grandma is abuela, but yeah. if you have a tiny grandma, she's abuelito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was doing Gatsby No, no, no. You, you made it Spanish. Gatsby <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I hate being accidentally racist. All right. Let's do it. Um, so uh, for Gatsby, I'm going to have Oscar Isaac. Nice. All right. Um, I think he would perfectly play off, play Gatsby. Good looking dude and like has all that charisma and everything. Yeah, and good call. Nick is going to be Gael Garcia Bernal. Nice. Um, Little Star Wars connection there. Was he, he, even he, though they weren't thinking in the, Diego Luna. Shit. Well, Diego Luna coming up. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It'll be a, it'll be an E2 Mama Tambien there you reunion. Go. There you go. Uh, Daisy, I have Zoe Saldana. Oh, uh, okay. Obviously gorgeous, and I think can play that type of that type of. Character. She's in Live by Night with Ben Affleck. Is she? I don't know why I said that, mm. but she is. <laughs> um, Tom, this is going to be a little bit older than these other characters, but Javier Bardem is going to play Tom. All right, I can see All this. Right. Um, and which you know, you, you, I think you'll be rightfully grossed out when you find out that Myrtle is Selena Gomez. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So you asked how old Chloe Grace was. You have to ask how old Selena is. Selena uh, Gomez is twenty five. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's she's the same age as Jennifer Lawrence, right? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is a little older than her. No, oh, okay. Jennifer Lawrence is like twenty seven. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, Javier, Javier Bardem and Selena Gomez are going to have an affair, and that's yeah. a good thirty years. Yeah, yeah. that's creepy. Um, I like and then it. Uh, she's going to be man <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, you have to be, you have to have a little bit of like a, like a feel bad pit in your stomach when yeah. you, when you, when you think about this. And George will be Diego Luna, ah. the aforementioned Diego Luna. Um, at one point, I did have him as Nick, uh-huh. and I had Gael Garcia Bernal as Gatsby. But then I, but then I started researching, and I saw that Oscar Isaac uh, has a, I think, a Guatemalan mother mm-hmm. and a Cuban father. Wow! I didn't know he was Spanish no, at all. I didn't either. And I was like, oh, he's perfect. So I had, I sort of, you know, moved him down. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, directed by Alfonso Cuarón. Oh, oh, oh nice. he do a good. He could bring some of that Great Expectations quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. done some period work too. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love that. Oh, I love yeah. that aesthetic. Yeah, and uh, music from Gustavo Santaolalla. Oh, oh nice. is that the Brokeback Mountain? Guy? Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Guy. Gustavo Santaolalla. The Babel guy. Gustavo Santaolalla. Gustavo Santaolalla. Yeah. Gustavo. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but I know that there's one L. And that's got to be an, a, a, an ol sound, and then there's two L's, so that's a ya yeah sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gustavo Santa, Santa Or <laughs> sounds right. One, my Spanish teacher, he was from the Yucatan Peninsula, and in particular that region, they, the double L, they don't do the ya, they do a zh. Oh, 
Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that. So when we were learning Spanish, we learned, uh, like, instead of me amo es Jeremy, it was me llamo es Jeremy. Interesting. Mm. So maybe he's Gustavo Santalaja. <laughs> <laughs> if he's from the Yucatan, maybe he's. From, is. I know, as far as I know. <laughs> um, let's never recast Lolita. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting in that documentary when they were talking about Lolita. I don't think I've ever read the book actually but i i think i made the comment last week that he got nabokov like to write the screenplay mm-hmm. so i figured it's it's very much like the book it's nothing like the i book. have i have read the book and i don't remember much I, I remember i remember like the first like opening paragraphs of it like the reason why he goes through all this is because he he never was in love when he was that age right and so he felt like he met he missed something and as he got older, he was like, that's why he had this, you know, unnatural sort of attraction towards these these young girls. But uh, I remember reading it a long time ago. I didn't remember it, the movie being anything like it because when I watched Lolita, like when I watched Lolita, I was like, yeah, this is not like it wasn't. Well, it wasn't nearly as tawdry as the book was, yeah, apparently. Yeah. But uh, that turned out brilliantly mm-hmm. because you know Nabokov signs off because it's his screenplay, and then Kubrick does his magic. I'm with just it. saying, imagine. Trying to recast that the way we just did Gatsby, and we're well, all yeah, so that, creeped out. Let's oh, never, ever, ever <laughs> like, do that. Yeah, like, like, who's the perfect 14-year-old girl for this? Um, <laughs> By the way, I found out my director, it's going to be Michelle Gondry. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be a weird-ass nice, Gatsby. No, I think it would have a nice like aesthetic to it. Nice M.C. Escher's Gatsby. By the way, I am totally with you on the Gatsby book, and I'm, I know that I know that uh, that's unpopular. I know. Almost everybody loves Everybody it. loves Great Gatsby, but I hated it. Really? Uh, I mean, actually, no. I, I like it to a point. Uh, I just I feel like the whole, like, especially the um, when Myrtle runs out of her house to, to greet the car and yeah. everything. I feel like it's the dumbest thing ever. It's pretty dumb. It's pretty goddamn it's dumb. It's so dumb. And she's being held captive by right. George at that point. So why at that very moment is she able to like get out of the house and run into run in front of the car and all that? I, just ne- I never understood that. And it's, it comes off really stupid in the movie, too. Um, Isla Fisher playing that. Playing oh, that yeah, role. that's right. Yeah. But uh, but uh, I remember there's a guy at the theater who was a really big F. Scott Fitzgerald fan. And I read the book just before the movie came out, reread it. And uh, I, I went to him. I was like, dude, I, that part is, it, I can't get over it. And he said, well, Escott Fitzgerald believed that women were irrational people. And mm. that's what they would, that's what he believed women would do and everything. So it, it fits. I was like, okay. <laughs> it fits he, for him. It fits for Escott Fitzgerald. <laughs> it doesn't fit for like 95% of society. How uh, do you write women? I take a man. <laughs> and I, I remove... think of a man. <laughs> and I take away reason and accountability. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. All right, baby. You want to move into a couple of questions here? Let's do it. Question. Question. I got something to say. I'm listening. I love this one. Now that Quentin Tarantino is looking to direct a Star Trek film, sidebar, that became a reality like super fucking quick. It that really was did. like a rumor, and then all of a sudden, fuck, it's happening. We're writing oh. a script. Yeah. And um, I am on board. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Fuck yeah, man. I Don't am- you think this will be the the most successful Star Trek ever made? Well, I think it will be simply because 
of the curiosity. I think Hollywood may even learn a lesson here. Yeah. And think, well, what if we take this crazy, like, okay, this is not unlike when we found out David Fincher was going to direct World War Z 2. Right. Because we haven't ever seen Fincher delve into a genre film like a zombie apocalypse kind mm-hmm. of thing. But I hope they'll do more of this, and this question sort of hints at that. We're, we're about to take him to school here. So uh, now that Quentin Tarantino is looking to direct a Star Trek film, who are some other auteur filmmakers that you would like to see direct a franchise movie? Mm. Um, I want... Paul Thomas Anderson doing the next Planet of the Apes movie. Wow. 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 You think about what they set up in War of the Planet of the Apes. Caesar's no longer their leader. They have to set up a society. You know that in from looking at the Charlton Heston Planet of the Apes that they become religious fanatics. This is all up PTA's alley. I I believe all of that is. I believe the way that this society grows and either evolves and devolves or whatever you want to call it is something that I think he could he could handle very well. And especially since the the, these three movies are all like I mean, it's a great trilogy. It's one of the greatest trilogies Mm -hmm. we've ever run into. Yep. Like all three movies are quality that doesn't ever happen. Right. So, you know, you can get somebody like PTA to come in and do that fourth one and, and treat that new society the way that I know he can. I think that would be a home run. That's nice. a very interesting idea. I like that. I, I would never have, yeah. I would never have thought of that, but I think you're onto something there. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, my easy one is uh, Nolan doing Bond, but I'm far from the first guy to say that. It's just when you see what he was able to do with Batman yeah. and when you see how often Bond ends up getting reinvented, what have you, you know, even the San, uh, Sam Mendes Bond movies are still super fucking ludicrous. And maybe oh, yeah. that's just part of Bond, but I wouldn't mind seeing you know, somebody with better ideas, mm-hmm. like a Nolan, who's going to have some kind of original spark, um, but also that edge of realism. Yeah. Um, so I'm far from the first person to say that. The other one I wrote down that I think would be interesting is Edgar Wright doing a Pixar film. Mm-hmm. I am 100% behind that Because one. I think there's something about his style that would translate super well to animation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, his sense of humor is very unique. Um and, you know, I don't know if Pixar is ever going to... I mean, they brought in Brad Bird, and he's kind of become part of the family, but they are, their directors are almost always promoted from within. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if that's even viable. But I just I like that idea. Once I thought of that, I was like, that's a really good union. Would he be allowed to be a little bit vulgar? I don't know. Maybe we go in this direction Chris talked about. Where I'm, if Disney's going to buy Fox, mm-hmm. they're not going to take Deadpool down to a PG-13 rating because it would be studio yeah. suicide. Yeah, They yeah. can't. They right. would either stop making Deadpool movies or Disney's going to now be in the in the business of making R-rated films. Mm-hmm. And if they do that and have success there, um, that you may see them experiment with it more in some of their superhero properties. You may see them experiment with an adult Pixar movie that yeah. doesn't it doesn't have to be porn. You can just <laughs> yeah. you could just it could just be a little bit you know, actiony or vulgar or you know even the Pixar films have occasional moments that if you're an adult play raunchy but yeah. if you're 12 or under you don't even understand what's going on and it's not a stretch for edgar wright to do something that doesn't have any language in it or anything i mean this is what wes anderson did with fantastic mr fox oh yeah mm-hmm. uh i mean all the other wes anderson movies are are you know i think most of them if not all of them are r-rated there's some pg-13 mixed in but uh it's nothing that edgar wright wouldn't be able to do there is to take out some fucks yeah and then you know and then and make it you know a, a 
comedy like he does. And I would love to see like some of the stuff he does in like actual regular movies get shot, like shot quote unquote and cut like that in a cartoon. Yeah. It would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some potential there. Yeah. What you got? Would you keep Craig as Bond? I mean, no. I mean, at this point I've seen what he's going to do. I don't need him there. He's, I don't really even think he's a box office draw. I I think the people who go to see the next Bond movie are not going because it's him. Mm-hmm. I think you might even pull some more people in if you gave us a fresh face. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, I'm going to go with a Die Hard, and I'm going to have Bong Joon-ho yeah. direct it. Um, for several reasons. <clears throat> First of all, this is the guy that directed Snowpiercer and Oakjaw, which mm-hmm. I haven't seen uh, yet. Okja or Oakjaw? Okja! <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to fudge it in the middle so I don't say it too clear. Anyway, like third so, line of Jailhouse Rock, where I always have to take a drink because I don't know it. <laughs> what is the party at the county jail? The prison band was there and they began to wail. That's been my shtick for 20 years. I don't know the third line of that song. How often does that come up? Well, it's a gag. I, I used to do it in college at the... It was one of my recurring jokes at the cafeteria. I, don't, nice. I would just start singing it and I would... Anyway. Nice. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, what this guy has shown a knack for action, for mm-hmm. sure, especially in Snowpiercer. And you could get back to that confined environment for John McClane. It doesn't even need to be John McClane. It could be a John McClane type. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that he's shown that he's he's been able to do is work outside of the traditional Hollywood system and still get big names. I mean, you got, for Snowpiercer, he, he, super international cast. Mm-hmm. You got Tilda Swinton, you got uh, Chris Evans, and then everybody else from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Billy Elliot. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think he could, you could put it in like a small village, even if it were outside the United States. I know that's not traditional diehard, mm-hmm. but if you put it in that kind of confined situation and shoot action the way that this guy knows how to shoot action, I think it could totally work. Mm-hmm. What if it was like, um, one of those, like, at least in terms of story, like one of those classic westerns where it's a small town that's being overrun by some kind of a criminal or yeah. an evil mayor or what have you. And then your McLean character, whether it's McLean or not, is like the only one that's going to stand up to him. Yeah. But you've got like a home alone kind of thing over a whole town of. Like, so basically three amigos. <laughs> yes. Can I have your watch when you are dead? (laughs) So, Grandma. So like the wind. (laughs) Okay, I like this. What is the strangest third act of a movie that you've ever seen? This Mm. person recently watched The Neon Demon, and the last 20 to 30 minutes are extremely strange. That is correct. That is one of the strange... What's a strange movie in in general? It's one of those Nicholas Winding Reverend... We're fudging a lot of names. However that name's pronounced that I've never heard before, but... It's probably... F is silent. Yeah, it and it's probably like Ren. it's Ren. It's probably Ren. <laughs> Makes sense, but uh, but yeah, that movie is like it's strange in general. And then the third act is like, God damn it! Um, the bar none. The the strangest third act I've ever seen is Tusk. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> it starts off so normally. Yeah, there's some interludes in there where Johnny Depp's got playing that weird fucking inspector uh character and everything and he's going around like asking where this guy could be and everything 
it's not nearly as weird as what, of course, happens where Justin Long is a fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> is Johnny Depp playing the same character that he plays in Yoga Hosers? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, and I believe he's supposed to play him again in that Noose Jaws. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, like uh, it it's it like I've said this before about Tusk. It's like it's really good. Like there's actually like awesome dialogue and like. A, you know, like when Justin Long and, uh, and the actor I can't think of right now are talking uh, by the fireplace and everything, it's like you're just you're just wrapped into this. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And then like, yeah, he turns into a fucking wall. <laughs> yeah. And it's just it's it's just it's it fulfills the it fulfills the, uh, you know, the requirements of a movie made out of a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um. I'll shout out Pineapple Express because the last third of that movie is just bonkers. It is. Anything leading up to it. But I've talked about that before. So I'm going to go with Wall-E, which is a movie that I really yeah. like. But at about the two-thirds mark, it just shifts into full madcap comedy, Butterfingers, <laughs> trying to chase the MacGuffin through mm-hmm. the ship yeah. to get to the thing. And it's not something that brings the movie down. I don't think the question asker was even saying that derails a film. It's just, what's the strangest third act? You watch the first, especially the first 20 minutes of Wally. There's no way you would ever predict the last 20 minutes. No. Based no. on the first 20, because it's uh, everything about it changes from being this atmospheric think piece with some charm to just, it kind of just becomes a Bugs Bunny cartoon there at the end. Yeah. Or Tom and Jerry running across the screen over and over and over again. It's just a meaningless action to... Prolong the MacGuffin Huey. Anyway, <laughs> MacGuffin. I like that movie. I love that movie. It's yeah. one of it's one of their better ones. But the third, the last third, is nothing like the first two thirds. Yeah. it's just really weird. I am going to avoid my pick being 2001: A Space Odyssey because I've talked so much about Stanley Kubrick already. It, it, would, a, it would be a good pick. It's a good uh, good third act pick though. It's uh, it talk about going off the rails. I mean, from where it finally gets to a narrative structure of. HAL 9000 and defeating him essentially, getting off the ship and everything, and now we've gone into to crazy town yeah. through the space portal and into the, the time shifting into the space baby. But, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, I l- fucking love that movie. Anyway, but uh, I, I have to have my pick be the frogs in Magnolia. Ah. Uh, because fucking frogs. Yeah. <laughs> What is the meaning of the frogs? I still don't even know what the meaning of the well, frogs there's not, is. There's, that's the problem I have with it, is that it is weird for the sake of being weird and chosen to have some hollow plagues, biblical, like because these people are all in some of the darkest hours of their lives, right. what have you, and now a plague of frogs. Now, I don't know if he's saying... Well, at least it's not raining blood after this. Or, you know, I mean, things could be better. It could be raining frogs. I think he just wanted to give the characters a shared experience that was um, paranormal or abnormal. Yeah. Uh, and and I've always been puzzled by why he decided to go that because the movie doesn't give a shit about explaining any of it. Right, right, right. They yeah. all acknowledge it, uh, but no, but nobody ever is, nobody's like. Well, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, there, exactly. Was there a shipment of frogs <laughs> flying overhead? The like, the the whole yeah. I mean, I and I, I I agree with you that the the direction of that is uh, is weird. Um, the whole theme of the movie is that these strange type of things happen all the time. All these coincidences happen all the time. All that, 
the the frog rain is something that has apparently happened before and it's you and nobody really knows the reason hmm. why it's it's it could be like the lakes dried up or something and you know the and there's tadpoles who fucking knows i don't know <laughs> uh but apparently that's happened before like that's a thing uh maybe that i mean but it's not something that happens all the time right. or anything like that again part of the theme of the movie is that it's stuff that doesn't happen all the time but can happen these strange coincidences so on and so forth um now whether or not you agree with the choice of having frogs falling out of the sky and everything is another separate argument it is Um, it is a weird i I actually like it i'm perfectly fine with it mm -hmm. but it's definitely uh jarring from a very humanistic story Mm -hmm. a very personal story a very uh emotional story and i think it probably needed something like that something completely bonkers to snap because it does snap a lot of them kind of into a realization but it is peculiar uh now just looking this up as on the internet just uh, the first thing that comes up and i'm not saying it's right or wrong so don't take this as like this is what chris atkinson said (laughs) as total fact but what comes up is raining animals is a rare meteorological phenomenon in which flightless animals fall from the sky such occurrences have been reported in many countries throughout history one hypothesis is that tornadic water spouts sometimes pick up creatures such as fish or frogs and carry them up to several miles. Ah. And um, and so, yeah, there's even a part in there where, like, you know, the frogs are falling and the and Paul Thomas Anderson sort of zooms in on that picture and it says, but it did happen. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. That type of thing. Um, so, yeah, there's two things going on. You know, one is, you know, uh, can that possibly happen well yes it can Mm. uh number two do i agree with the choice that's up to you yeah exactly exactly (laughs) i do not you do not (laughs) (laughs) that'll do it for this week uh keep going to uh the sincast presented by cinema sense facebook page soundcloud twitter reddit email everywhere everywhere (laughs) um to uh comment on this episode if you so choose um uh, that'll do it for this week it's chris agnes and jeremy scott and barrett share we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com You know, there's so many fucking outtakes for music video sends that I think of after the fact. Oh yeah, it's so annoying. Like the the Ed Sheeran "Perfect" song. Yeah, it's got that doom 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 doom. And every time my brain goes to the beginning of "He works hard every day of my life." At the end of the day, and then the the new Katy Perry one. Is this like hey 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 da 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 da, which is fucking Uptown Girl? Yes, that I should have totally put in there. I, there's still time to do that one. I may put that in there. Yes, Uptown Girls. I remember that song back mm-hmm. when Billy Joel was popular with teenagers. And he was, <laughs> and he was married to Christy Brinkley. Yeah, yeah. and but she's we, in that video, Uptown Girls. Yeah, that's right. I bet you he could still pack out a tour, but it would be all people forty and older. Oh yeah, because he played Wrigley uh, when we were up there, and it, I don't know. 
it, it killed. I think he is still popular with like younger people. Really? Yeah, I don't think it's like going to a Fog Hat concert or something. <laughs> <laughs> Thin Lizzie. Yeah, Thin Lizzie. <laughs> Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull. I almost went to see Jethro Tull. There's like a Fontenelle type of place up in Chicago called Ravinia. Mm-hmm. And uh, this professor of pharmacology, this British guy, <laughs> like the day before, he's leaving the office. He's like, would you like to come to see Jethro Tull with me tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, man, I actually would, but I can't do that. What a fucking weird request. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I love pretty... the flute. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. What was the uh, Fog Hat hit? Was it Slow Rod? It wasn't. Mm. I don't even know. See, now I have Who to look Who did Slow up. Ride? I don't think they did Slow Ride. Well, maybe they did. Take it easy. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> Slow down. I fucking hate that song. Oh, hey, they did do that. They did do that song. Good pull. That was that's definitely their big hit. <laughs> I had a fog hat record actually. I had the uh, the record with uh, like a record, like a record record. Yeah, like a record, a record, record record record. I got that, and I got Three Dog Night, uh, which was one of my favorite vinyls ever. Three Dog Night is some good shit. It really is, especially if you have like party favors. Yeah. <laughs> Open up a window, sucker. Let me catch my breath. Is this going to be our first pod of the new year? Yeah. This is I saw something on Reddit. On new year's I think it was, no, it was Twitter or Reddit. It was Twitter. Somebody said, my dad just told me that on New Year's Eve, every adult will have been born in the 20th century, and every kid will have been born in the 21st century. And it's the only day that you can say that. Interesting. Got to wrap my brain around that. Just to that 18-year 18 <clears throat> 18 yeah. mark. Yeah. So. If you're younger than 18, you definitely are born in the 21st century. If you're older, you were definitely born in the 20th. Mm-hmm. Mm. Good to mm. know. It's not really all that mind-blowing, <laughs> but it's one of those things that once you once you first hear it, you're like, whoa. And then like an hour later, you're like, well, that's not all that cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's math. just math. <laughs> I saw this story. It was pretty neat about a guy who was admittedly depressed about something, death in the family or something. Mm-hmm. And watched, binge watched some show with like 12 seasons on Netflix constantly for like two days or more Mm -hmm. without stopping. And Netflix noticed and sent him an email to check on him and make sure he was okay. That's weird because Hmm. they've done some weird analytic shit lately. Like, have you seen all these articles about like... Who is binge watching The Christmas Prince or something like that? Like, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like, no. somebody, there's like two people in the world that have watched The Christmas Prince, which is like a made for TV movie, like 11 times. Oh, yeah. And they're like, wow. what the? I think they did the same thing. They sent an email, like, what's, what's your deal? <laughs> what I don't understand is why Netflix doesn't give out their numbers for mm-hmm. like, the shows it's not like they have advertisers that they have to worry about mm-hmm. they they pay you know gobs of money to get these series and they play them regardless of whether they're good or not mm-hmm. uh i never understood why they just can't 
be like, okay, House of Cards did this, and Stranger Things does this. I think mm. it's probably just still market positioning. Like, let's say nowhere near as many people are watching the original shows and movies as we think. Mm-hmm. And they announce these numbers and they're way low. Mm-hmm. Well, then the next David Fincher big actor pairing show that is shopping around town might be more likely to go to HBO or Amazon. But you don't think David Fincher knows what House of Cards is doing, though? Well, that's a good point. I'm sure he does. I, that's the only thing. Yeah, I'm sure I, internally they, they, they know. Would have to, you'd have to think they'd know. But, but maybe an incoming, like if they were somehow, let's just say Nolan gets together with Christian Bale and comes up with this awesome TV show concept and they're out there pitching it to stars and HBO and Amazon and Hulu and Netflix... You know, I don't think we know numbers on any of the, these online platforms. We don't, but they're getting money anyway. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're they're not releasing them because they don't have to. I think. But Netflix is also still like burning through cash. Like yeah. they still have investors, right? And I'm sure the investors know the numbers. It's uh, it's just an odd thing to me. I, I just I don't understand what they gain from it. It feels like you gain more by saying, you know, 1.5 million people saw Stranger Things. And then, you know, and it's probably more than that, obviously. I mean, Stranger Things is such a phenomenon that um, the I was watching uh, Molly's game the other day and just one actor from Stranger Things showed up on the screen and I heard gasps. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, Jesus, that's when, you know, a show is huge. Who was the character? It was the the guy who plays the the boyfriend but not the boyfriend anymore oh yeah the, yeah the, the girl i don't know what his name is yeah i like that character though yeah i do too mm-hmm. he was way better in the second season mm-hmm. first season he's kind of a dick but like you could see there's like a little bit of extra layer to him yeah in the second season they really let him shine and that how'd you like molly's game really enjoyed it yeah that's getting really good reviews and uh when aaron asked for his top five i put it in there Nice. Now I haven't seen everything either. I think I think the top five I gave Aaron is bullshit. It's what it is now, mm. but it may not be that. I way. gave him the same reply. I was like, "Well, here's the top five of what I've seen, but there's probably twenty I haven't seen that are better." Right? Like I have a feeling at this point, whenever I see Wind River, which should be arriving at my house today, um, it's going to be in my top five. Mm. But I haven't seen it, so yeah. my top five is largely shit like like. Three superhero movies in there. Mm-hmm. Logan, Wonder Woman, and Spider-Man Homecoming are all in there. And then Dunkirk. Get Out. Get Out. Yeah. Yeah, I had so, Get Out. I, I would have a very similar one. I had Get Out at, at my top, and I had Dunkirk up there. I had Wonder Woman in the top five. It's crazy to think of Get Out, like, that was a February, March release? February. 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 And we were talking about, like, man, that may end mm-hmm. up being my favorite movie of the well, year. Well, yeah, when you looked at what was coming out, it was pretty clear that it was going to be up there Mm -hmm. well and we're not alone either several like of these critics associations and whatnot and even just critics listing their top 10 have put it up like number one Mm -hmm. it was not boston some big cities like critics association voted get out number one man i it's so weird because the beginning of that movie really bothered me the music did because Mm -hmm. you had the music that was playing in dude's car and then it switched to the voices when they're like going down the road and everything and then it switches to Childish Gambino's Redbone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's too much at the beginning. <laughs> you know, it's too much like awesome because all of them are awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then that fucking Redbone song, so fucking good, mm-hmm. man. God, that's my favorite song of the year, by the way. It's almost annoying to me how much talent Donald Glover has. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't 
be, <laughs> it's like Justin Timberlake, to, right? Just yeah. spread it around. Soon. Honestly, <laughs> what's more annoying is that he's not bigger than he is. I know. I, yeah, that's I, that's maybe the too. most annoying thing. See, yeah. He's yet to go mainstream, but I think the industry has already recognized and lauded him for I mean, both music and that Atlanta show at the, at the yeah, very least. He has, I mean, he's got all the critical plaudits for sure. He's got, you know, being on community made him that kind of, uh, you know, cult sort of, you know, actor. And then Atlanta gave him the critical darling stuff. His music's kind of had mixed reviews over the years. He's mm. had like five or six albums. Yeah. He's got a lot. Uh, and uh you know like this new one that he came out with red roan on it and everything mm-hmm. that was a one that a lot of people were like some critics were like love how different this is some others were like i hate how different this yeah, is. yeah. and uh, it's like the last jedi yeah exactly but he can fucking sing now mm-hmm. it's like all right you're a rapper you're a comedian you're an actor that's awesome like you're really good at all those now you can fucking sing sounds mm-hmm. like fucking d'angelo on there mm-hmm. god by the way, my brother texted me this morning and said uh, he'd just seen The Last Jedi and listened to our mini pond. Mm-hmm. Um, keep in mind, he and I disagree more often than not. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't like La La Land at all, doesn't like Lord of the Rings. One day we'll bring him on, have him argue with me about it. But he said, I agree with you about The Last Jedi, and Barrett lost some of my respect. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I'm sure that happened. I mean, I think a lot of people that, that agree with me probably lost some respect. I mean, I'm too. sure he's joking in yeah. the sense that, you know, he never met you. And, you know, the only kind of respect he can have for you is your movie opinions. <laughs> and he disagreed with you on this one. But, I mean, he still probably has more respect for you than me in terms of movie opinions because <laughs> we disagree so often. I just I thought it. you'd appreciate that. Yes. Because you liked that a little too much for him, I think. I know. Hey, I love what I love. Mm-hmm. He didn't say anything about Chris, so I guess you're still in good standing. I guess. Um, I don't know. Well, I mm. think we all agree that there's issues and that there's some good stuff yeah no I, I think we all said that too mm-hmm. so. yeah mm-hmm. it looks like a movie that is a bit conflicted a bit mm-hmm. just a bit mm-hmm. just a bit let's have ryan johnson on the on the show and you know what this out. ryan johnson is the reason why there was a twitter ever created exactly. for cinema sentence yeah that's a that's a and he will never come on our show. yeah he <laughs> not, will never not a ever. big fan but the, the 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 reason why the twitter was created was because he wasn't a very big fan <laughs> right <laughs> didn't he did he respond to that that tweet yeah uh, yeah he responded um because i said we're just assholes and he and i created this twitter just to let you know mm-hmm. we're just fucking around and he was like all right well, no big deal but then like Later on, he tweeted a couple more times about not really liking it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not going to try and change your mind. And that's, a, that's an odd, I mean, that's something that we've experienced a few times, too. Like, somebody here is like, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm down with it. And then, like, five minutes later, they're like, I'm not down with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>